Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 39, the podcast where we finally find out what it takes to get Michael Shanks to pronounce Goa Uld correctly. <laughs> I, I like that this episode proves he can do it, he just chooses not to. That's exactly it. That's exactly what my thought was. I was like, bitch, you mean you've been capable of it the entire fucking time? <laughs> about it was i swear to god he was it, it was like he was trying to troll us because that scene where because obviously he plays Machello as well i love how he just you know needed so much screen time that he plays every character in this fucking show <laughs> I, yeah that's the thing so it's so funny so um i watched the first five episodes separate of the rest of this because five minutes uh as as we're as we're gonna reveal to the listeners <laughs> in not. a minute here neither of us are fond of this trope me to like a degree where like my whole body just like freezes up like I hate this 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 make it stop make it stop make it stop so like I it's so funny because when you said oh I hate this episode I was like huh I don't know what this episode I like I vaguely remember Michello but I was like huh but then I watched five minutes I'm like oh no no I know what this episode is fuck yeah yeah right it's a great so I watched the first five minutes separate of the rest of it and like I hadn't obviously it's just like five minutes and I was talking to my roommate about this and I was like I was mentioning the first five minutes I'd seen I was like I gotta give credit to this episode for the fact that in the first five minutes Michael Shanks does such a good job with his subtle acting that if you don't know what this episode's about you're not gonna know what's happened yet but if you do know what this episode's about you can already see the signs yeah it is actually an episode that if you don't detest every single thing about the premise and how it's uh, portrayed, cough, cough us, um, it's actually pretty good for rewatching. It's one of those oh, yeah, kinds of episodes because the first time through you're like, this is an episode. And then you get to rewatch it and go, it's like replaying a video game where, uh, or like, a, okay, it's like replaying a well-made video game <laughs> where you can see all of the tiny clues. And you feel much more invested as a result. Like, I love replaying Horizon Zero Dawn because mm-hmm. all the little details are that much more devastating when you know them what for what they are as you're going along. And it's really cool. So I was talking to my roommate about it, and she asked me something about, like, who the guy playing the old man or whatever. I was like, I was like actually, <laughs> I don't fact. have any proof of this yet, especially since I only watched five minutes, but I have the suspicion it's also Michael Shanks in old man makeup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it was actually better old man makeup than they did on Jack in that Oh, other 100% episode. better. So I will Jesus. give kudos to the makeup department on that. Like, it was good enough that I would, I would have been willing to buy that it was just an old man, you know? Yeah. I have to question, though, why. I, I wonder why they did that. Just because it's they just a little trust, weird to happen. I, they didn't trust I, an outside side actor to be able to pretend to be Daniel. It's just really weird to me. It's just it's just really weird to me because like they could have not I can't not that he looks bad as much, you know as an old man or anything because again they did a good job with the makeup. It's just really bizarre to me that they didn't hire an actual old person to play him because I mean it wasn't like it was like it, it wasn't like Michello had to be portrayed by Michael Shanks or something it was I don't think this was like in his contract that by the way if you do anybody switching episodes <laughs> I play both parts like unless that's like some weird fucking shit going on behind the scenes like that I just I, I'm not saying that the decision was bad. I can still maybe, be curious, though. Maybe they looked at their uh, backup actors in Touchstone and went, I don't want to risk it. I mean, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just weird. It was weird to me. They, they did yeah. it a lot in this show. They, they, they tend to like 
aging, I don't know why I'm saying a lot, I think it's like three times I can remember, but they like to do their old person makeup, and I think it's one of those episodes where they more wanted to demonstrate what their abilities were than the other way around with casting. Well, I would argue that body swap episodes as a whole, like it is a trope of sci-fi and fantasy. It should um, just be fantasy. I'm putting it out there right fucking now. I hate this trope in sci-fi. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying it is a trope of both because it yeah. is. Because it Whether is. Whether it should be only a fantasy or not is ultimately not our decision, sadly. Sadly, yes. <laughs> but I think one of the biggest parts of body swaps outside of the secondhand embarrassment, which I can't stand. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the biggest appeals for it for a show is that it gives actors the opportunity to step outside of their normal yeah, their normal pattern and gives them an opportunity to show off a little bit. Which I will not sometimes doesn't work out because I can tell you uh, Power Rangers did a body swap episode of and those actors aren't no well known for being good actors <laughs> or in this case you got to see a lot of these really good actors doing a great job yeah i mean as we'll get into i agree because they all do a great job honestly the only one who gets the short end of the stick here i think is uh weirdly enough sam she has a lot she of doesn't scenes. get to do the swap <laughs> yeah well that's i feel like swap, that was but... her being smart she's like i'm not swapping yeah i'm not doing this shit um no for me it's mostly a case of i feel like amanda tapping was given one too many scenes where she was mostly just literally sitting there to look pretty. Yeah, she like didn't look do like much. the pretty concerned friend. I'm like, is that really what he, she's here for? Because that she has I, some I, nice I don't know what the plan Daniel, was. With Daniel, though, yeah, while he makes weirdly inappropriate comments. <laughs> I mean, I know it's only actually two, and one of them's the Jack, but <laughs> I, I just would say don't the care other one for his is just uh, isn't weirdly inappropriate if you consider that they're acting like siblings. <laughs> That's what's gross about it, is the fact that he says, at least I know you don't like me just for my looks, and I'm like, ew. <laughs> I was like, ew, that's practically your sister, what the fuck? Well, that's just like a goofy thing, like, oh, I guess if I don't look pretty, I'm still nice, you know? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that a joke in the show has gone completely over my head, but yeah. So yeah, I, uh, oh my god, I just read my first note. Ha, <laughs> I forgot I wrote this. <laughs> How mad would Mel be if I just write an entire page of notes comprised entirely of, I hate this fucking episode? <laughs> I was gonna say something else and now I can't remember what it was. I guess let's just get into it so we can, you know, actually talk about this episode <laughs> instead of talking about thing? how we feel about this episode. So who are we? So oh I, I remember now. Okay, so Who are we? Oh yeah, I'm Mel. <laughs> and I'm Liz. And you remember your thing now? <laughs> yes, I do. And I'll actually do this as part of this. So today's episode is episode 17, Holiday. Now, the important thing about this is the fact that this is another one where, just like the last two episodes, where uh, this one and next week's episode are swapped in order from DVD and Wikipedia, which means that, like, two different sources aired them at two different times, and for some reason we have, like, the Canada-UK air order. I don't know why. But I think the reason this one has the order the way it is is because... I think maybe, again, like a matter of time, maybe originally they filmed a Serpent Song, which is next week's first. Because of how much of a demand of Michael Shanks' time this episode is. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they tried in their filming to get Serpent Song and a matter of time grouped together. Because, I again, I don't remember how much Michael Shanks is in next week's episode. But, like, 
this one's not a great episode when you're trying to have paternity leave or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a little, uh, it's a little heavy on your presence. Yeah. <laughs> if that turned out to be the reason, I'd be, I would not be surprised. <laughs> yeah, it just seems kind of pointed that the four episodes immediately after his kid is born, there's a weirdness with air order. <laughs> I take everything now with an extra hefty, uh... Not a grain of salt. I take it with a sea of salt, just in case. Yeah. So I'm always on the edge of, well, is this me thinking this actually makes sense, or is it, you know, my confirmation bias? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it, because production shit can happen for a whole bunch of reasons, but it wouldn't, yeah. it would not be surprising if I, you know, if it turned out to be exactly that, because it does seem to line up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, no, this is not us trying to, like, be like, yeah, this is exactly right. why this is. It's just a fun theory. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, you're good. So, the official synopsis for this episode. No, again, goody. this should be good. Season two, episode seventeen, holiday. Wow, <laughs> I'm already. They scared. just spoil it immediately. I mean, Kelsey Jackson is body time. swapped with an old gold enemy named Michello. Guys, it, why even bother? If you're gonna put it. If, <laughs> I know the synopses are written after the episodes are made. I get that. But why would anybody want to watch the episode if you give away the thing that the intro takes all the... I, I know an intro's not even that long, but they yeah, take the time to set something up, and then you just you ruin it from the get-go. Yeah, they destroyed the cold open. Like, yeah. as, as I said a note to you, I was like, well, thank God they at least don't have this stretch on too long, like the, the not, not knowing. Daniel. Yeah. Um, but, like, so it's maybe... 10 minutes in before the audience knows what happened. But it's like, come on! You set up a cold open for a reason. Cold opens are supposed to have that intrigue there. And then your yeah. synopsis immediately says what happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's weird shit. Like, I, um... This is a really quick little tangent, but... This drove me insane when I found this out the other day. I was looking up trivia. Um, Eric and I are going through... So I'm getting Eric to watch all the Star Trek shows, finally. I mean, we've already gone through... Uh, Enterprise, sorry, not Enterprise, we're gonna do Enterprise someday when I can... Generation? Yeah, we've gone through Next Gen, and we've gone through, um, Voyager, but we're going through Deep Space Nine right now, and I was looking up some of the trivia on the episode where, spoiler alert, even though it came out in 1990, like, 8 or whatever, uh, Jadzia's character dies. Dax, the first Dax of the show, the main, the, the one who was on the show for six years, the character dies because the actor wanted out of her contract. Uh-huh. Apparently, back in the day, they had announced... I guess, ahead of time that she was going to be leaving the show. And the only reason why I come to that conclusion is they, obviously the writers knew that she was leaving the show, but they decided to just, in the episode before she dies, they heavily lean on the plot of a fallen, lost friend. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> As in, not only is the episode prior to it literally basically all about making and having a great friend just to lose her, a beloved comrade, the funeral scene of that episode, which is the end of that episode, literally has one of the characters give a eulogy talking about losing your friends and knowing that some of us in this room will one day not be here anymore. And then the camera oh heavily God. focuses on Jadzia. <sighs> for like a full second. And the trivia reads that the writers were doing that as a, as a foreshadowing. And I'm like, that's not that's a foreshadowing. foreshadowing. That's a big red arrow at, guess who's gonna die? And it's like, why would you do that? That's just dumb. And you, and the worst part is they wait until the end of her death episode to kill her. As if you don't know it's coming. <laughs> That's like, so dumb. I wouldn't have needed to see the show before to know what was coming. And I'm like, what? That's not... Okay. 
dumb. <laughs> it just, it's those little things where you just give everything away as if that's fun or something. Mm -hmm. And I, I just don't get art, I guess. <laughs> Alright, so. Jackson's body is swapped with that of an old gold enemy named Michello. As Jackson lies dying in the alien's aging body, O'Neill and Teal'c accidentally switch forms too. And unless the alien is captured, all three will be trapped in their new bodies forever. Oh my god, they even give away that Jack and Teal could get switched. Yep. It, I mean, I'm not talking, it's not like that was a huge part of, like, the suspense of the episode or anything, <laughs> but again, why give that plot point away? Because there's an entire scene where they're getting ready to haul that thing away, and even though I make a note about how dumb it is that they make an assumption that these weird mystery metal paddle things they're putting on the machine, like, my, my first thought was literally, how do you have any fucking clue as to whether or not these things are gonna work? Like, it's a mystery machine. That is made out of mystery elements to do a mysterious purpose. And obviously at this point you're figuring out the body switching part. But you're not sure how it does it. You don't know anything about this machine. And you bring some weird handle thingies to it that look suspiciously like metal as well. As if you don't know that metal can be a conduit for electricity at the very least. Like, you don't know anything about this thing. And you... I will it's say... It's so dumb. In my <laughs> vision at least, it didn't look metal. It looked like heavy duty plastic. But okay, if it was they that, at least it would have less dumb. Yeah, exactly. They make a lot of really stupid assumptions, but they're going with the premise through all of those dumb assumptions that they're not trying to get switched. So the scene is clearly trying to set something up, and yet the synopsis has no intention of letting that go. I just, yeah, well, I, I got nothing. I got the nothing. synopses are never good, so I yep. guess we just gotta deal with it. It's not competing for title of my most loathed synopsis, but it's close. All right. So all right, let's do this shit. Yeah. So I have like 10 notes before things are going to get a little bit more Hazy. whimsical where I don't have things as detailed because I just, I couldn't do it. My body no, it rebelled against the thought. It's uncomfortable. The episode is just deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I, I just got suddenly so tired when I realized what this episode was. And again, I don't want to say, like, I want to be straightforward about this. It's not that this is like a... I know we we both complaining religiously about this, but at its core, if you don't mind the trope, it's not a bad episode. No, no, it really isn't. You and I are just we just intrinsically hate it. <laughs> against this kind of trope. Yeah, for a variety of reasons. Not not just be for me, not just because of the secondhand embarrassment. Although that is, uh, as you have said, a very huge part of it because it isn't just deeply uncomfortable. I just I firmly challenge the concept of a show just yada yadaing its way through remapping neural yeah. nets as if you can just do that. Like, I'm sorry. And the brain doesn't, re you know, I don't know, rebel against this in any way. This doesn't cause electrical imbalances or neurotransmitter imbalances. This doesn't fuck up the brain whatsoever because neurons can just be remapped that easily in a second with a pulse of power. Sure, fine. Why not? Anyone this isn't fucking Freaky who, Friday, okay? Anyone who has gotten through uh, 38 episodes of us <laughs> is not surprised to hear you are mad about that. <laughs> Yep, uh, that tracks. My thing is 100% it comes down to the um, secondhand embarrassment. One of my favorite TV shows is uh, Life on Mars. And I'm saying specifically the UK Life yeah, on no, Mars. Not, not the US one. the US Life on Mars is terrible. Harvey Keitel was good. I want that on record, okay? Harvey Keitel was awesome in the U.S. version, I'm even if the, the show itself was, was bad. Yeah, the no, even, even if the show bad. was bad. I just have to give him his credit, because he did a great job. But, 
and and I love John Sim. He's he's a yeah. great actor. As much as I love that show, it's still hard for me to get through the first episode because of the fact that the first episode is when he gets sent back in time originally, and there's all of the the requisite like freaking out and like making a fool of yourself because you haven't figured out what's happening and where you are and what time you are and everything. And I've always like my whole body rebels during that scene clenches. In, the, in the precinct <laughs> when he's freaking out about his desk not being there and everything. Like my whole body just freezes up. And I love this show. It's one of like it's probably my favorite TV show, but it's so hard for me to get through the first episode. Because I just can't handle it. I've said many times to friends, like, if I was ever in the same situation as him, I'm sorry, I would not freak out like that. I would be like, something weird is going on, I'm gonna stay quiet until I figure out what it is. I'm not gonna pull attention to myself. Oh, hell yeah. No, and that's nothing worse than having people watch you while you freak out. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so, like, that's- my secondhand embarrassment factor is just so strong there, and there's some moments in this episode that I'm just like, God, I fucking hate (laughs) You're gonna love- I haven't brought this up- uh, this show up now in a couple episodes, because it just hasn't had any parallels yet, but, um, there's exactly one show in my mind, movie, (laughs) any media, there's one that gets a pass on the body switching. And it's not just because I love them, or maybe it's entirely because I love them. I don't care. But Farscape has done ding, the ding, ding. best. Yes, has done the best version of it. I think. Um, I think part of it has to do with the fact that they don't do it individually. Uh, everybody gets switched all at once, uh-huh. and they it happens a couple times. So they all. So it's not like it has none of the. How do I know who you are, who you say you are? Yeah. It has none of that, and it has none of the secondhand embarrassment, because it's all about the crew having to deal with the fact that they're all switched, and all the comedy and wonder that comes with it. It's one of their dumbest episodes, uh-huh. do not get me wrong. Well, body swaps are never right? intelligent but it exists episodes. to be dumb. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's a great, it's a, I, I think it's a funny episode. I like it. <laughs> well, eventually we'll see it. But yeah, that's the only show that gets a pass on it, because it has none of the secondhand embarrassment. It's meant to be funny, and they take that to its fullest extent. This episode of this of Stargate does what everybody always does with the trope, and yeah. that's... Although I don't they like do it. avoid the awkward uh, sexual harassment angle by just not involving Sam in the body swap. Yeah, yeah. So we no, gotta I... give them credit for that. <laughs> it, this is one of those moments, like, when um, Disney does something, finally puts someone of color in a role or finally gives <laughs> a female uh, her own movie you know it's one of those moments where you're like okay are they really doing this because they're progressive or just because it's with the times you know it's kind of like one of those things where it's like do i really give the credit to, to the writer here for not being a creeper or do i just know that he's smarter than that <laughs> i mean this is the guy who wrote spirits and he hasn't shown any creeper tendencies yet no, that's the thing. This episode actually really pisses me off several moments through its um, toxicity because they no less than, what, three or four times heavily imply that Sam is basically a unicorn because all women are gold diggers. Huh? Seriously. Seriously. When he, oh, when he waitress. goes into the diner with yeah, the waitress, yeah, yeah. and then when motherfucking Fred has his bullshit line after he goes, how does, how does one court a wife here? And he goes, usually with a lot of time, energy, and those credit cards. And it's like, ha ha, all women are out for your money. Maybe it's because men have such sparkling personalities. I mean, <laughs> <Right>. seriously. <laughs> like, fuck you. 
it, it, it was those little things where it's like it's worse when it's casual lines because that shows just how ingrained these stupid bullshit stereotypes yeah. are where all women are just pretty little vixens out for your money. If we take energy, it's because we're people. Yeah, you know what? Uh, thinking back to that line, the good to know you don't just like me for my looks isn't as fun of a line anymore. Yeah, exactly. This episode is filled with those little moments, and it makes me uncomfortable. Because women are not portrayed in a healthy light in this episode. And they, it's done so casually, but consistently throughout a... 40-minute episode. That's gross. It makes me unhappy as well as uncomfortable. Yeah. So, yeah, that was another unpleasant element of the episode. So, I, I, would, I would say it's not a bad episode because it, because of its trope. That part is still just us not liking it. But I will not call it that quality of an episode, especially in terms of, you know, dialogue. So let's, let's just get into this and actually do this episode. <laughs> Why? It sucks. Well, because that's our job here. Oh, okay. Well, that All right. So, uh, the episode opens with a gate opening into a room that looks kind of like a really open, empty museum. It's got, like, these things on pedestals with, um, I'm glad you thought it looked like a museum, because I was like, is that the set they're later going to use for the museum? Right? With, like, these gauzy curtains that you can see through wrapped around the pedestals. And everyone, like, looks up to go look at them, and, and Teal's like, that's not gold tech. Sam finds an iPad. <laughs> No, it's an Apple Newton. You know how I know that? Because my first thought was, what is that? Like some really early gen Kindle? I didn't even know they were, they were out that early, and I had to look it up. And I feel very old because its mainstream release was in 1993, the year I was born. Oh, Jesus. That's how old this show is. And what she's holding is a modified Apple Newton. I mean, it's 98, right? For yeah, so it was five two. years old at that point. Yeah. That product was five years old at that point. And so was I. Yeah, so she finds an Apple Newton. <laughs> Uh, and she's like trying to, she's like, oh, maybe I can get something from this. And as she's thinking about that, an old man comes out from a back room. Yeah, I, um, I really hate that, um, that scene because it's just so fucking forced because Daniel, so they're exploring the room and Jack has a cute little moment where he's like, holds up his gun as he's flicking aside the gauzy curtain, proving that he's finally getting some sense in him. Still touching everything, <laughs> by the way. But he's, like, holding up his gun as he's, like, attacking a curtain. Like, oh no. And then Daniel <laughs> looks at the room and goes in this weird, mysterious wonder voice as if he can't just walk the ten feet over to it and goes, I wonder what's in there. And it's all so forced because it's just so that other Daniel can come out and go, I am in there. And it's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> it was not great. Um, it was badly done on basically all fronts. So Teal'c recognizes the man as Michello, a fugitive from the gold who developed lots of different tech to battle the gold. The and exposition was scene. Huh? <laughs> I call this exposition scene. It's, oh, it's yeah, literally yeah, it two full fucking minutes plus of literally just Christopher Judge reciting in monotone what this guy has done. And the worst part about it is I kind of like it because it gives Michello everything he needs in that moment to play the scene yeah. the way he wants no, to. That's so I thing, hate that like... exposition's actually used in a good way because I hate, hate, hate straight exposition. Yeah, like, it's funny because this this cold open is actually pretty well really constructed good. for a lot of things. No, it's really good. I have a note on here where I'm like, I hate to give this episode any fucking credit, but they did an excellent job with this setup. Yeah, so, uh, and we find out that he was captured by the gold and eventually escaped. Yeah, uh, He tortured. immediately claims he is not that guy, 
Uh, and Daniel's like, it, it's fine. You don't have to worry. We're not ghouled. <laughs> That's why I was like, this sounds like he's trolling us. That's why I said he sounds like he's trolling us. Because especially when he's doubling back and forth between himself, Michello will, will say, say go ghouled, while Daniel consistently says ghouled. And it's like, Here's really? Here's the thing. In this cold open, Michello also says ghouled. <sighs> it's only in the later scene where they're talking to each other that he says gold and he says gold. In this scene, Michello also says gold because he immediately echoes Daniel right back. He's like, we are not gold. Are you sure? <laughs> Michello does a genius job of setting this up. Honestly. Right? Right? Like it's so well done. I never, I didn't catch that when I was a kid. I do have a question though. Did he just walk out and go the pretty one? That's the one I'm going to steal. I am formally and firmly of that opinion. Yes. He just immediately decides, I'm going to steal his body. I mean, and I so think it's because Daniel, Daniel looked like he was inquisitive. Like, he was going to be more likely to be the dumbass in the group. Well, because, yeah, so Daniel introduces himself, and Bacello is already planting the seeds. He's conniving in the worst possible way. And he immediately goes, oh, yes, I am Daniel I am Jackson. Daniel Jackson. And he's basically planting the seeds of the the idea in the team that this is a senile old man who doesn't know what he's saying. It's prime sociopathy at its best. <laughs> yes! God, him talking to Daniel in the at the end of this episode, I was like, man, we make a lot of jokes about Daniel being a sociopath, but oof. It's creepy watching Michello try on his victim first. It's really yeah. unsettling, but in a good way, you know? Like, uh -huh. they did a good job with that setup. Yeah, no, like, the setup here, this, like I said, the setup for this cold open is great. It was just enough for me to go, oh no. <laughs> just knowing what I was looking forward to down the line. Uh, but he says he'll show them some of the tech to fight the gold. And uh, very easily gets Daniel to touch one of the machines with him at the same time. My note. Holy fuck, this works. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, guys. He has, he is literally... If you think about it, he literally has not volunteered any information to you. Everything he has said has been a parroting back of yeah, something you true. have said to him. He has not given you any actual information about himself, and yet you are letting him guide you, dictate your movements. Yeah. That's really stupid. Uh, I think it solely comes down to Daniel trusting Teal's word on this being Michello. I didn't think about that. That's actually a that's actually a really good point. That would explain why Daniel would uh, do that. But that still pisses me off that somebody didn't think about it. You know, like I'm still standing on the point that it's dumb. They be, you know that they don't think about that concept. Yeah, I think. But I that does actually kind of explain away my issue a little bit. So not bad. I think mm -hmm. it would have been a little bit better if we had like five seconds of as Daniel was putting his hands on it, Jack being like, "What? <laughs> wait, 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 like, like, wait, wait." If you think about it. Who said the name Michello first? Was it Tilk or was it Michello? And who said anything about Goa old weapons? Was it Michello or was it Tilk? <laughs> like, Actually, the gold hmm. weapon thing I think was uh, Daniel, because Daniel's like, "Are these weapons to fight the Goa old?" And then he parrots it back. Okay, fine. So that one, you're right. Either way, he was not the source of any of the words that he then used to coerce you into the, your movement. Yeah. But yeah, so they both hold on to the machine, and there's a there's obviously some sort of, like, energy that flows through both yeah, of them. Yeah, a little bzzip noise. Yeah, and then Michello falls over. 
immediately keels over, which, to be fair on this one, I actually really have to give credit to actors who are willing to fall, because I think there's a there's two kinds of actors. There's actors who can do a good job, kind of a good job-ish of acting as if they're falling, and then there's the actors who just fall and hope they don't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that Daniel was that, but it was as close as I've seen besides literally one scene once from Supernatural where, to be fair, they, they were always pretty good about doing falls. Yeah. As in, as in just kind of dropping and seeing what happened. But there's one where there's, it's, it's, I've rewatched it a million times because it's like, holy shit, he literally just drops like a stone. But Jensen Ackles does that on one scene. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I really hope they check the ground for rocks first. Like, and that's kind of like what happened here where it's like the zap happens and uh, old man Jack just, Jack, old man, um, Daniel, just bleh. yeah. Like I like how he literally has a heart attack. I mean, he, he's. We find out he's barely clinging to life, so yeah. I buy it. Right? No, it wasn't unbelievable. That was that yeah. was the best part about it. And Jack's like, "Hey, Daniel, you okay?" <laughs> and and Daniel says he's fine. And my note says Daniel says he's fine, but it's definitely Michello in him. <laughs> When he says that, and you can already tell he's acting different, I, my, my note was literally, I really hate this episode. Yeah, but I got, God, but even in the, the, the 30 seconds that we have in the cold open of Michello and Daniel's body, I was already like, damn, this man's a good actor. Right? No, because even because though he's not again, acting like himself, he's acting his ass off. <laughs> because again, like I said before we started talking about, like, it, recapping the episode, he, in this 30 seconds does such a good job of if you don't know what this plot is about you're not gonna know what's happened yet yeah unless you've read the synopsis but if you know that this is a body swap episode you can see the signs yeah there's just a subtle inflection to his voice that's just perfect you're not wrong. His intonation, and as always, is fucking on point. It's, 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 it is constantly a point of laughter for me. The irony of the fact that he is so eloquent and yet cannot pronounce anything to save his life. It's the glasses all over again, man. Right? Although, credit to him. Credit to him. It's been several episodes since we've seen him not wear his glasses. You know, I didn't even notice the glasses all episode. Was he wearing them? Yeah. Oh, good for him. Maybe this is around the time they started getting him better set ones. Wait, or was he? Hang on. I, that's the thing. I wasn't even Hang thinking on. about it. I was too busy yeah, being annoyed. Yeah, he was. He was. Okay. Yeah, I was too busy being annoyed at pretty much every turn in that episode, so. No, he he hasn't mysteriously misplaced his glasses in quite a few episodes, actually. I'm yeah, because I feel like it's been a long time since I made a joke about his headband. Yeah. Did they send a memo down to him? Like, look, we promise we'll get you new glasses for next season. Can you just wear these for the rest of this season? You know, I swear to God, Michael Shanks must have, like, first child syndrome. Because <laughs> it's like watching your sister get all the shit that the first child didn't get because it took a kid to realize what is a good gift and what isn't. Like, I don't blame parents who learn from the first kid. But there is always that inherent unfairness to the second kid, as in they always get a little yeah. better treatment. I, I feel like sometimes, I wonder if Michael Shanks gets, you know, first child syndrome, because we've always joked about how his glasses must have just been, like, fucking uncomfortable or something, and yet in SGA they dropped ten grand to make a fake dreadlock wig for Ronan, for Jason Momoa, because he had to shave his off because they were giving him whiplash. Oh my god. And they had to make a $10,000 wig for him to wear because they Jesus. refused to let uh, they refused not Dargo they refused to let Ronan not have dreads <laughs> Jesus but yeah but they wouldn't give Michael Shanks a ten dollar pair of fake glasses that were better 
Uh, but yeah, so the cold open ends with Jack being like, okay, let's all get back to SGC. We'll take the old man with us. <laughs> we'll just kidnap this old man. It's fine. Well, he's clearly unhealthy. They're not going to leave him dying on the floor of his, his room. I get you, but so I, this is always that gray area for me, whereas I don't argue what your, you know, your point is on that, but I'm always wondering how these moments should be handled in like these kinds of like star trek type situations like first prime i'm first prime goddamn prime directive there we go uh prime directive type stuff where this is a this is a yeah he's human but he might have entirely different customs for example like what if his species by their species sorry what if his culture by their entire nature has a um a dnr Uh (laughs) as like their thing because like for example uh jehovah's witnesses i believe don't do blood transfers because Fusion? I have reason. Transfusions. God, what is my vocabulary today? It's like, I have approximate knowledge of many things. I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah. one joke I've ever laughed at in that right. show. <laughs> but yeah, like, they don't do tra- uh, blood transfusions. So, like, what if his culture is kind of like that? Like, where they yeah. don't do resuscitation. If you're meant to die, you're meant to die kind of thing. I you don't say. know. So it's just, I, I, I'm not saying they did anything wrong, but I would always, yeah. I, I would always be a little uncomfortable anytime somebody took somebody from a different culture and just said, cool, we better fix them up because we get to decide what their body autonomy is. Yeah. Yay. I do think there's a, there's definitely a point to be made for uh, Stargate that they've never claimed to be involved in a prime directive. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's a good, it's a... <laughs> What I bitch about with Star Trek is that they purposely leave all their technology extremely vague, so that way they can't contradict themselves yeah. <laughs> on stuff or you know create loopholes. I get why <laughs> Stargate kind of you know went away from that route, and it's because their entire mission directive for the show is to fight an alien race, which and to get allies and, and, to-, <laughs> and to get allies and to get technology that they don't currently have. The yeah, only way you can do that work is to potentially violate other races and other humans mm-hmm. and other anybody. It's kind of the U.S. military's prerogative to just take first and make excuses later. Yeah. And it's really well shown in this show because, for example, <laughs> yeah. with Spirits, yeah, that spirits. was like the entire fucking premise was we get to decide for you what you need, what you really care about, and where your resources should go. So... I love Stargate for not doing any bullshit Prime Directive type stuff because it would be a massive fucking lie that would kill my suspense of disbelief yeah. every single time. Absolutely. Suspension, sorry. It would kill my suspension of disbelief every time. And they don't do it because that was that was a wise fucking choice. And as you've pointed out very, very sagely, the entire movie is based on the white savior premise. Yeah. <laughs> and you cannot do that and pretend to have a Prime Directive. No, no, no. <laughs> So it's it's a smart choice that they don't do it. And and again, it makes sense any way, shape, or form why you would see a sick old person and think maybe I should help them. I get that. That's empathy. <laughs> it's just always a little bit of a gray area. Yeah, so uh, we get back to SGC, and Daniel's being checked over by Janet, who's basically like, well, you seem okay, you know. And now it's a little bit more obvious to the viewer the Daniel's talking a little strange. Twitchy Michael Shanks is the best acting I have seen in a while because he's acting exactly as twitchy as his old man body was. He's getting yeah. used to his new body, but it can also look like somebody who maybe received a massive shock. You know what? Maybe because of the fact that... Because you were like, well, maybe... Is, there, is it in his 
his contract that if they do a body swap, he has to be the person as well. Maybe because of the fact that most of this body swap episode is about him, they just wanted the the swap to be as perfect as possible. So having Michael Shanks play both roles means he's going to have a perfect portrayal for both of them. Yeah, I mean, that could be entirely what their their idea was. And, and in that frame of mind, it would always be better to do that because yeah. whenever you do body switching, you have to depend on an actor yep. to do a good job. And whenever you have to do, even, I know this isn't an aging up episode, um, but even when you do an aging up episode, you have to have an actor who's good because <laughs> yep. you have to have them. Like, like I, uh... I hate the kid episode in Next Gen as much as you do because it's extremely <laughs> uncomfortable watching a bunch of child actors do their best. <laughs> If you're going to do an age episode, I feel like you should have done it in reverse because that was I, just painful. Oh my god. I, I have a love-hate relationship with that episode because the, the kids are not great actors, but it's also fucking hilarious. I know you love the temper tantrum scene. Yeah, because it's such bad acting, that's why. <laughs> I think the strength of that is the fact that like Picard isn't good at pretending to have a tantrum. Because he is a proper English gentleman and he does not have temper tantrums. Yes, that scene, I will never forget that scene. I want to see my father. I want to see my father. Now, now, now. I mean, you're not wrong. But yeah, I got that episode. But also, like, uh, in a couple seasons, Stargate is going to have something sort of like a de-aging episode. Oh, God, I forgot about that one. God, that episode's bad, just for its ending. I hate the ending. Yeah. The ending is them trying to, like, wrap a bow on something that isn't that easy to solve, but... Right, that, speaking of yeeting things away, God. But the kid does a good job in that episode. Oh, no, he's, he's great. Uh, but yeah, so Janet's, you know, basically said, okay, I'm giving you a clear, clean bill of health, but, you know, you're obviously still a little out of it. And she basically sends him off to go catch up with the rest of the people at the briefing but before she before he leaves she's like i don't want you driving for a couple days and <laughs> daniel the cello in daniel's body pauses and looks at her for a second and then just kind of like nods and walks off and i sent you a text at that moment so with Michello in daniel's body thinking what is driving right <laughs> Two things on that one. I, uh, I The things that stood out to me the most in that, in that scene were, for whatever reason, I could not tear my eyes away from the fact that Michael Shanks' uh, eyebrows were fucking immaculate, man. They were, like, waxed to perfection. And then, as I was I'm laughing at myself about his eyebrows, there was a continuity error where he's asking how Macello is, if he's gonna, you know, hang around or whatever. And in one scene, he's got, the, you know, the oxygen mask on, and then literally between takes mask is gone like it's not even like on his chest it's just literally not there oops, oops. <laughs> so daniel fake daniel um fake daniel splits from her and goes to come into the briefing where uh the briefing they they're basically talking about how like sam's like i can't figure out what this this dialect is in this uh ipad she shows it to teal teal can't read it either that's basically when Daniel comes in, and I love the fact that Daniel politely excusing himself from being late for this briefing is immediately cause for suspicion. That tells you that guy's never on time. 
<laughs> and also just that he's never that polite with his friends. But Cello looked at how Daniel spoke to a stranger and assumed he was going to talk to his friends that way. It's like, no, he's much nicer to strangers than he is his friends. That's actually one of my biggest problems also with uh, body switch episodes, especially when they decide to go down the route of pretending to be the person whose body you're wearing. Yeah. Unless you know them, like know them. As in you've taken time and time and some more time to really get to know them and how they act and why they act. You are never going to be able to pull off a convincing facade for any amount of time. No. What kills me is this concept that people who work in with you and know you would be that easily fooled for that long. And not to the point where like, I would immediately assume there's another consciousness in there, yeah. but it's clear, like I have a note later about how it's very clear that this guy's walking around with, at the very least, maybe a head wound. Yeah, maybe he's right? Having, um, maybe he's in a fugue state. Maybe he's having a disassociative episode. You you can tell he's out of it. To the point where even a character even says, that explains a lot about his personality when he mentions being tortured. And I'm just kind of like, okay, so you you have noticed this guy might be like, I don't know, a danger to himself at this point? Because he's clearly not acting right. Yeah. At the very least, your moral responsibility is to look into why. Oh, yeah. And 100%. You're, and, so I'm not mad at Janet because he only said a couple of words to her, but I'm mad at the team. No, here's the thing. For letting him say, leave. I will say, the team doesn't actually, the team gets like maybe three minutes with Daniel because. That should be long enough. Michello is still like, he at least has the forethought to be like, I probably can't pull this off long term. So he does immediately get out of the mountain. Right, but that's what kills me is they let him. Like, he's acting super fucking weird, and he's able to explain it away with, uh, I'm not gonna act like myself for a couple days. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. This is this this checks out. Yeah. Yeah, they're not... Like, what I do you mean you should distracted. go home? Are you sure you don't mean you should be under observation? Listen, they're distracted by a whole bunch of shiny technology. <laughs> yeah, the and Apple And also, <laughs> he lied and said that Janet said he should go home. <laughs> Yeah, she said he should get some rest or something. Yeah, he's, he specifically said that she said he should go home. And they buy this. Yeah. That um, bugs me. They betrayed their friend there because they clearly were too shiny by- Shiny? Yep, there we go. They were busy they were being magpies. Shiny. They were busy being magpies and that's just- That, that bugs me. Yeah. I opened a soda during my words. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, so um, Daniel gets a ride to his apartment immediately as soon as the car drives away immediately just follows a random woman michelle's a horn dog <laughs> fucking creeper like i like how he's literally left on to his own devices and in less than 10 seconds immediately goes full creeper i yeah, do not I care like, oh, please what your please story don't. is Thankfully, he That's does creepy. not talk to this woman i was like oh, god no 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 yeah, only because he got distracted by something else. Later like, on what would that waitress, but... That's what kills me. This episode makes me super uncomfortable because it's it's implied that he might have pursued her. Like, what happens if he hadn't been distracted? What happens if it's she'd had a great. bad reaction to him coming on to her? You don't know. Maybe this guy likes to take his new, young, strong body out for a test drive. And yeah. I just, Listen, I do not get a lot of respect for women out of this episode. No, no. I will say, ultimately, Michelle's not a good person, okay? So, him doing terrible things like that, I'm not terribly surprised. It's not fun to watch, especially with it being in Daniel's body, but I'm also not surprised that he'd immediately 
go down those routes. While, while I'm not disagreeing with that concept, I am extremely unhappy with the fact that this is, that's still something I've complained about before, which is when somebody wants to go down the road of clearly indicating somebody is bad, they go straight to sexual assault. Yeah, no, it shouldn't be a staple. That should not be your, if it's on your top three of like, how do I show he's evil? Okay, well, he steals, he lies, he I rapes. do want to tell the what? audience, the, the people listening, there is nothing resembling sexual assault in this episode. The theme is still there, and it's still extremely uncomfortable, just because- No, it's uncomfortable, but I just what don't- it is, I, There's no violence anywhere in this. Okay, but I'm not sure that makes it better. I'm not sure if we should give shows credit for not going it down that route. Right. I just don't want okay. people to come into this thinking that this episode okay. has this. Now I understand what you're saying. Those are distinct <laughs> differences. Like, they're both bad, but there is an no, yeah, element of where violence being also in it does make it harder to handle. Yeah, no, you're right. I gotcha. Uh, but yeah, no, when it comes to actual physical assault, no, nothing actually takes place. But it still could have. Just that that, that, that scene indicates to me, not in from like the show perspective, like the episode would have shown it or anything, yeah. but it does indicate to me that Michello is fucking terrifying. Yeah, no, he's not a good person. I'm sorry. When is it ever okay to start following a woman? <laughs> like, come on, that's not cool. Yeah, it's not great. Um... So we see him follow a random woman off screen, and then we don't know what happens. Um, and then we go back to SGC, where Hammond has basically gotten the grab the team and said, you, you gotta come in here, <laughs> and drags everyone into the hospital, not the hospital, you know the med bay, whatever, the med bay room, the where Marcello is hooked up. Yeah, infirmary. And he immediately is like, oh, Sam, Teal, Jack. Finally. And Jack's like, how does he know our names? And Daniel and Michello's body basically explains, I'm Daniel. And because Michello had already planted the seeds of this is a senile old man who has already said, I'm Daniel Jackson once before. So for a moment, he's like, oh, here we go again. But then Daniel's like, no, ask me anything that only Daniel would know. And they ask him, like, a couple things, and Daniel immediately has answers for it. Some of them things that even Jack didn't have answers for, like, uh, Sam asks him who Cassandra is, and Daniel even says, like, the identifying code of the planet that they found her on, and Jack has to turn to Sam to confirm that that's the planet identification code. What kills me is when Daniel says that, and then Jack goes, lucky yes. And I'm like, fucking bite me. I do. So, okay, this, I do like this next exchange, although added on to everything else that, that, that there's issues with in this episode, it does definitely paint a bad Tor Alexander. We didn't actually say, okay, so. Oh, yeah. The writer for this episode is Tor Alexander Valenza, and the director is uh, David Wary Smith. I don't know what, what time index it'll be at when I've edited it down, but it took us an hour to mention that. <laughs> Oops. Um, but yeah, so I like this little exchange, this final proof that this is actually Daniel, but when you take it and put it next to a couple of other troubling things in this episode, it again does not paint Tor Alexander Valenza's thoughts on women in a good light. 
No, it doesn't. And even if he's not somebody who, like, just, you know, actually, like, you know, goes around, like, saying this kind of shit and, you know, thinking like it consciously. It's still a subconscious thing. Yeah, exactly. When it shows in your writing like this, at the very least, that shows that it's subconscious. And it's like, it's unfortunate because, do you you know who the, you know who next week's writer is? No. Catherine Powers. As soon as I said it, as soon as I said who, I was like, no, wait, shit. We're gonna have two subconsciously sexist writers in a row. Yay. Uh, but yeah, so the final, the final exchange of proof that works to prove to Jack, and again, I actually think this is clever in the fact that, like, he gives, it's a good final test where you're asking things where theoretically you could maybe get, like, the information, but it's, um, it's, I can't think of exactly how to describe this, but when you're trying to test someone's knowledge... I'm calling it a Turing test. It's not a Turing test, but yeah. Yeah, it's always smart, and you see it actually happen a lot. It's almost a trope, but in a good way, where one of the final tests is to give them a lie. Right. And see if they know that it's a lie. Two truths and a lie used as an interrogation method. I like it. Yeah. So basically, Jack says, um... Okay, what what dress did your sister wear when I took her out last week or whatever? And Daniel's immediate response is, I don't have a sister, Jack, and if I did, I wouldn't let you near her. Which I choose to be a jealousy thing. <laughs> because yeah. otherwise... I, I, I too would like to think of that as the uh, comedic element that they were definitely going for. But unfortunately, because of inherent bias, that line yeah. comes across as, oh, and you get to have control over her love life. Exactly, Why? Yeah. Is it because you're the man in her life who needs to help make sure she makes good decisions? Yeah, I'm like just I said, gonna, if, mm, if we had no, that. if there weren't other bad things to pair next to this line in this episode, this line would be better. Yeah, th- those statements, I, under, I understand the they're meant of, in a good, healthy yeah. kind of way. Like, I care about my sister. I get what they're going for, yeah. but the thing is, there are a million other ways that are healthier to do it. Yeah, and it, it becomes obvious that it's not a great line when yeah. we see the way this yeah. man writes yeah. women in general. I don't think this person uh, cares that much for women, honestly. Like, I think yeah. he's been hurt by somebody, maybe an ex-wife or something, and so he just, I don't, like, I hate to go into stereotypes myself, but... I mean, Michello's backstory, I... I'd buy it. It pisses me off. Just the concept of the men in this episode are given so much room to act and to work and to have story. And as a whole, women are given one note in this episode, which is be there. We'll talk around you, but you get to be there. Yeah. It's, yeah, Sam doesn't get a lot to do in this episode. She doesn't even get to be the one who figures out the solution. But she doesn't get a lot to do. Yeah, and also, by the way, she's a mathematician. And she can't figure out the math solution to this episode. Yeah. This is literally a math problem I was taught in school. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I give this episode credit for the fact that they didn't stretch out the not believing Daniel too long. That would have been extra annoying. Yeah, so I give the episode credit for that. But then we immediately cut to Michello and Daniel's body wandering around the streets, talking like a weirdo to strangers, and I hate it. I know I texted, or maybe I didn't text, I don't know if I texted you this or if I wrote it as a note, but all I remember is writing it at some point, I hate this episode because I can't skip through it. Yeah, you did send me that text. Okay, cool. And it's like, this is a scene where I actually did cave. I did a 10 second skip. I was like, nope, sorry, I'm out. I've seen it once. And then I went back and turned off audio because I remembered you told me that trick. Because I do have subtitles on always anyway, but I forgot that it can be 
more comfortable and I wanted to take notes. But seriously, I fucking skipped. I was like, nope, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. And I just kept going like, oh no, look what happened. Tip to anyone else who suffers from secondhand embarrassment from watching TV or movies, uh, in case you haven't already discovered this yourself, um, somehow watching a scene without the audio does help. Yeah, I guess it takes the seriousness out of the situation or something. I think it's because we have to read the dialogue and it takes just that little bit of extra brain work to read it and then translate it into the words for, you know, between our eyes seeing the words and our brain deciphering the words, there's just a slight disconnect from having to hear the words, I think. I'll buy it. I don't know, but it does help. It genuinely does help. It's still not fun. Um, and I didn't actually do that, but I did (laughs) distract myself the whole time by texting you. So that helped. Yeah, I saw the pages of notes, and I looked over at Eric and went, I don't think Mel likes this episode. (laughs) Like I said, I have, like, ten actual notes, and then everything else I'm relying on the texts I sent you. Nice, (laughs) nice, nice. So he's wandering around talking to strangers, and it's terrible. And then uh, a homeless guy is like, yeah, it's because you're talking like a weirdo. No one's going to talk to you. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with this, and it's kind of a trope, but it's kind of, I think, based on reality, which is, like, minds, you know, attract. So when you, if you're somebody that, for example, society ostracizes, you might notice the other ostracized members a little quicker. Yeah, no, I I completely buy that, and, like, this guy does use Daniel a little bit, or Michello, Daniel, whatever. This guy does definitely use Michello a little bit, but, like, look, he just wants some food. I don't fucking blame him. I call that less... Okay, you're not wrong. He is still using. Um, I guess I was, I just, I figured it was more like, um, it's kind of like how you use a cat. Dude, I need you for the support you're gonna give me, but it can be a symbiotic relationship yeah, where exactly, I also keep I... an eye on you. So it's like, it's like a paid caregiver, you know? He's a caregiver paid in Sundays. Yeah. Like, I sent you a text at one point that I'm, I was like, I like this homeless guy, you know? Yeah, because he originally starts talking to him without any intention of getting anything back. He just kind of wants to be like, bro, what's up? Yeah, and then, but he's like, yeah, people don't, like, if you're just going up to strangers and asking them for things, no one's gonna like that. And Michelle's like, well, you're doing that, because he had come up to Michelle originally asking for, like, spare change or whatever, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, I kind of have to. (laughs) Um, I do like the the cute little line of, you're strange, too. Yeah. And he's kind of like, yeah, all right. Basically, their interaction ends with Michello offering to buy this man food. And this guy's like, well, this this man is definitely a little strange, but I'm not going to say no to food. <laughs> right, like, why look a gift horse in the mouth? Exactly. I don't blame him. Like I said, I don't fucking blame this man for anything he does. I like Fred. I, like I said, he was not being parasitic. He wanted to no. just talk to him and happened to get a meal out of it. Big whoop. Hell yeah. No, I like Fred. I like Fred. He's good. He's the only good person to react to Michello and Daniel's body in the real world in this episode. Uh, but yeah, so we go back to SGC and they're at a briefing and they're talking about it and they're like, okay, well, it's probably the machine they touched. We should bring it back. Uh, and try and figure out what's going on with it. And they're like, okay, well, we have to be safe about it. You oh, know. now they think of safety. Yeah, so they, everyone's wearing, everyone goes back wearing, like, the hazmat suit kind of things. And while Sam is poking around, like, getting an eye for the rest of the room, Dan- Jack and Teal 
are setting up these, and I thought they looked like heavy-duty plastic. Which I'll buy, I'll buy. I just real quick have to say something. There's a line of dialogue in this that is just one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever heard in an episode of Stargate. Jack says to Sam, or Teal, I can't remember which one it is, but he says to somebody, don't touch anything. And I'm like, you are two fucking seasons in and you still haven't made that standard procedure yet. And I hate you all, Jack. Like, listen, how? who the fuck just stuck listen, his eyeballs into some random eight, thing? Daniel's gonna tell Cameron that. And later immediately it's funny. touch something himself. And when Cameron's like, you just said. Daniel's like, well, I'm different. I'm allowed to. <laughs> Years later, it's funny because it's them acknowledging how fucking dumb it is that they consistently touch shit without thinking. Yeah. But at that point, they were too far gone to... It wouldn't. It, it was fine. It, they were too far mm-hmm. gone on, on that premise. Two seasons in, you still have plenty of time to figure this out and figure out, and I mean this as, an, as a non-comedic element, because it honestly isn't funny anymore. How many times have you touched shit and gotten fucked up by it? When mm-hmm. will you learn that maybe touching shit isn't the best idea? Like, I know that the gloves and all the su- shit that they end up wearing doesn't actually end up helping. I get that. But they don't even think to have this, this as, like, a basic practice, period. They go to multiple places. I have brought this up before, where they don't have, like, any of those tents set up mm-hmm. in SGC when they first come through the gate that, like, sprays you down and shit to make sure you're not, like, you know, carrying in path. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, decontamination tent. They don't even try. As far as I know, they've never established that the Stargate itself does anything like a cleaning. Like in Star Trek, for example, they actually talk about how the transporters are designed to cut out pathogens. And Starfleets, for example, can also detect a weapon and deactivate it, that kind of thing. Yeah. As they, ha- they have safety procedures built into their, trans- um, their transporting element. Stargate, if they wanted to, at any point, could just mention this or something along those lines, but instead, they have occasional scenes where they talk about how it's not great that they touch something. Like that one time with Cassandra's episode where they had that bio kit shit that you rub on your hands, um, the dry wash stuff. And here, where they're wearing their hazmat gear and stuff, it's like, again, they're going to foreign planets with all manner of different life on there supposedly maybe you don't know that's the whole thing i know you have a mouth but a mouth isn't going to get everything and it's yeah, really and we, and annoying <laughs> that they don't we'll have any better safety in a little bit in this episode that there is some sort of disease or something on michelle's planet because teal catches something yeah exactly where else did he, did he get it because he's been on earth for a while now so I, granted it could just be insinuated that he got like a common cold which we get every day even though we've lived on this planet because i know shit mutates the timing blah, blah, blah. is very specific but the t- <laughs> timing is fucking suspicious I didn't even think about it, though. That's a good point. See, there you go. My point is proven uh-huh. even more. It really does bug me that they only use safety gear after the fact, and yet they conveniently yeah. ignore every week that the week prior they just got fucked by that last thing they touched. Yeah, so Jack and Teal get the little plastic handle things on, and they're about to grab it to lift it up, and just as they're about to, Sam like calls to Jack from the room that Michelle had come out of originally. And I do like that as she calls out to him, you see Jack like full body flinch, like, God damn it. <laughs> I do love that scene because that's accurate as fuck. Like, Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> like, you good. know what we're doing, right? Like, you couldn't wait 10 seconds? God. But yeah, it's just, so she points out that there's, she's like, I think I know how he's been. Oh, because. 
originally when they brought Michello in, uh, they're like, yeah, he's got a lot of burns on him. It looked like they came from torture. And basically that he was hours away from dying. Yeah, like, he was on super was life support, failing. it turned out. Yeah. And she finds a super life support in his back room that's like, and Jack's like, but he was awake when we came through. And she's like, well, maybe he hasn't set it up to immediately wake him up Dude. when someone comes through. Which means he's been planning to steal yeah. someone's no. body. I just realized this. Um, this is another element of just fucking great foreshadowing. This episode can be really... Is, is, I hate that it has such bad elements in it because it's actually really well constructed yeah. in a couple of places. And this is another one because I don't want to give it away, but I kind of have to here. Daniel will let her later tell Michello that he's acting an awful lot like somebody else. Yes, uh-huh. Oh, God, somebody else. Yes, exactly. This is his, this is an allusion to a sarcophagus. This is an allusion to how similar he's acting to the go old. That's But this crazy. is a great moment of foreshadowing where Shit. he's doing the same fucking thing that, like, for example, it wasn't it Hathor? That had, like, a time release on her um, sarcophagus, as in she was waiting for the door to open, basically. I think so, yeah. Something, I remember somebody having this. Maybe it was raw, for all I remember. Like, there's too many, I have so many scenes in my head of sarcophagus, sarcophagi opening, I can't remember anymore. I think it's Hathor, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, but, so the concept of waiting for the door to open before I come out mm-hmm. is a concept the show's already done and, and the go-old have done. And I yeah. really like this scene now because that's really, that's smart. Yeah, I think, uh, I think ultimately Tor Alexander Valenza is great at shaping an episode. He just needs someone else to fill the episode. Yeah, a woman. He needs a woman editor. Yeah, yeah there we go. He just needs I'm a not woman kidding. editor. Like, until somebody can demonstrate, like, for example, if we had a female Catherine writer Powers, acting- not Catherine Powers. Well, here's the thing. If we have a female writer out there who's writing extremely sexist shit, I would recommend for her a male editor to help balance the narrative. I think that until Tor Alexander Valenza indicates that he knows how to write women in a multifaceted light like he does men, maybe he should have a female voice as part of his process. Because I feel like a female voice was extremely missing from this. I think that would have solved pretty much every problem in this yeah, episode. He's a good he writer, a but he could be a great one if he had that other piece in his writing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think that's that that pinpoints exactly what could have solved. Like neither neither of us would still enjoy this episode because we don't like no, body swaps. No, because the premise is still something we hate. Yeah, but exactly. I'd be complaining less about the construction. Yeah, I was. I, m- I mentioned to you before we started recording. This is almost like a reversal of Bane. Yeah. Except that neither of us like this this trope. <laughs> yeah. No, because I hate body horror. I just want that on record. For ex- okay, I don't. Know, I hate to even. I hesitate to even say this, but my huge, huge problem with the Human Centipede isn't just the fact that that movie exists. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> I ha- everything about that movie, in my opinion, is a mistake. It is. However. Everyone talks about the body horror element about it as the best part about it, which is what the premise of the movie was going for, was mm-hmm. the body horror aspect. That was what they were doing. Well, they succeeded because my entire my entire body revolts. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I, I, I repel that movie because of the body horror. That is my fucking... That's one of my... I know every other week I say this is my fucking nightmare, but, like, that... Anything body horror makes me want to die because people talk about things like this is a fate worse than death that that right there that's a fate worse than death to me i listen i I don't disagree (laughs) with you i can't stand body horror either 
I so that's just why Bane's I hate Bane's body horror was muted enough that it didn't bother me. That's good. And I tend to, I definitely tend to hyper-focus on types of body horror that I hate more than others, like fingernails or teeth, that kind of stuff. As you know, I love history. History is a huge part of my life, not just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of my main points of focus for history is medieval history. I, it's, it's a fascinating time. People were yeah. at their worst, and oh, they yeah. were enjoying it. <laughs> and it was an interesting time to be alive. I'm happy I wasn't, but I enjoy reading about it. However... One creepy focus uh, that I actually also like in medieval history is their methods of torture, because, dear God, the human brain is capable of some terrible fucking ideas. Ugh, yeah. And as you might know, nail torture of many varieties, actually, more than you'd think. God, I don't need to think about it. Don't, don't. And I, I, my body shudders when I think about it. So when you say, when you said nail and teeth, like, obviously you and I both have a teeth problem, too. We also yeah, hate yeah, uh-huh. teeth horror. Teeth horror is awful. But nail horror, I can—I swear to God, I feel like my nails are sweating right now thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, I know about the bamboo under the nail bed. I know that one. But I'm just thinking, like, because I, <laughs> I specifically was mentioning that because, like, District 9. I love that movie. That's a good movie. It's a good movie. There's one scene in it that I can't watch. <laughs> I'm just gonna... You're just gonna... doing visual reactions that nobody listening <laughs> is going to be able to do crosses see. in the air and just make this stop like what you're saying is unholy because <laughs> nope. No, I know exactly what scene you're talking about because it is horrifying. So yeah, uh, so back to the episode that we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah, we were like, yeah, I think we can get through this episode quickly. Not if we keep known. trying to distract ourselves by not talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so what we always do. Alright, yeah. let's do this. Jack and Teal decide to finally lift it up, and as soon as they put both of their hands on the handles, they definitely have some sort of reaction. And Sam is kind of like, uh, you know, you, you okay, guys? And, like, I, they take their helmets off at this point, don't they? I thought it was when they came through the gate. Because they come through and then Hammond says, how was the, hang on, uh, hang on. How, how was the mission? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. So basically she's like, you okay guys? And I think they cut to them coming back yeah, through the gate. Yeah, because they point. wanted to do the funny thing. Yeah, so they come through the gate, still wearing their masks, and Hammond's waiting for them. It's like, how'd it go? And Richard Dean Anderson does a good job here, because Jack, yeah, I, quotes. I will say, like, I, I think for the most part he does a good job. I don't like his vocal delivery. Yeah, it's... To his credit, okay, this this might sound terrible. <laughs> he is doing his white man best to sound like Christopher Judge. Yeah. Yeah, I think, here's He the thing. does not have the same vocal cords, though. No. And it yeah, just the, doesn't the sound is, like Teal. The thing is, he's trying his best, and I don't think where he falls short is really about his talents. I think it has to do with, like, what his voice can do. And so when he's trying to emulate what Teal how Teal speaks the only the closest he can get is doing like a monotone this is what I'm talking about with another reason why I love Farscape's body switch episode is they were really clever in how they did it they purposely very subtly I mean it's not like you can't tell it's obvious what they're doing but it's still a subtle element so like for example when Aaron is talking but it's actually Crichton in Aaron's body yeah 
you hear Claudia Black's voice. However, they actually audio layered, audio dubbed it at the same time. So when she's talking, you also hear Ben Browder's voice kind of weaving in there in like an almost like an electronica kind of fashion. Oh, that's and it, cool. they just thread the voices together when everybody's talking so that you clearly hear an amalgamation of both. That's kind of cool. And I thought that was, I, as a kid, I appreciated it because it helped me remember who was who <laughs> because they had like, you know, pictures on their chests. But when I was a kid, I was dumb and I was more focused on the pretty colors. Yeah. There were definitely scenes where I would have gotten confused about who was who as a result. Mm -hmm. And the vocal threading was a really smart decision, I thought. And years later, I definitely extra think that because it helps take away this kind of problem. Yeah. Where, despite your best acting, if you're not, if you don't possess the correct pair of vocal cords, you might be limited in just how you can portray somebody. Like, for example, if, if I were to play Kathleen Turner in a biopic, I probably, I could do my best, but I can't sound like a deep-voiced sex icon from the 80s. No. And so, in these kinds of moments when you're limited, obviously, by the fact that you have to use this actor, I would recommend more vocal threading, honestly, because I think it sounds better. Yeah, like, like I said, Richard Dean Anderson is doing a good job. All of the actors who body swap in this episode are doing a great yeah. job. No, uh, they're Richard Dean Anderson just shines a lot more in him portraying Teal'c. When he's doing the physical acting. Yes. Like I said, he, to his credit, he did his fucking best. And he does do the intonation pretty damn yeah. spot on, I think. I mean, it helps when you're literally acting still in the same room as the person who plays the character yeah, you're definitely. trying to pretend to be. Because you, you can definitely get, like, get literally in them, real yeah. time tips. Yeah. There's just, there's something about the quality of Christopher Judge's voice that when he does deliveries in the same way, it doesn't sound monotone. It sounds straightforward, yeah. but not monotone. Yeah, you know? and he was trying. He, he did go a little too monotone. I think you're right. Yeah, that's that's the weakest yeah. point. Is that his voice came out sounding kind of monotone? Does that fall under the umbrella of cadence then? At that point, because I feel like it's a cadence thing. Yeah, it's kind of a cadence, but I do think so. That I'm that would be the one. I'm not a voice I expert, but I do yeah, think I don't know. There's definitely an aspect of tone yeah. that reads into it. Yeah. So, like, I think he did his best, but like, I think also he. Like, maybe if he'd had a month more to prep, he could have gotten away from the monotone. I, I don't know. I, uh... I still think he did a great job, <laughs> no, he better did a... than I ever could. Oh, um, hell, hell, yeah. Like, not, sorry, you know not better than you, better than me, that's what I'm saying, yeah. hell yeah, too. You know Christopher Judge had fun in this episode. God, I, that was my first thought. I was like, I, I literally, when that happened, I went, doo, 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 doo. I hear it. God damn it. One fucking line from Christopher Judge, and I forget how much I hate this episode. Yeah, he's so, <laughs> he like, so much. counts like how line. to go, and they take their helmets off, and Christopher Judge, who is now Jack, is like, not great. <laughs> God, I love it. And he looks over at Jack, you know, Hammer looks over at who he thinks is Jack, and Jack goes, the mission did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, and then, then Tilt goes, yeah, you yeah, think? think? <laughs> and it's like, oh, dear. <laughs> Christopher Judge was like, hell fucking yeah. And that's why I said that Sam isn't really given much in this, because literally the scene ends with Hammond then focusing on Sam, who all she does is fun little shrug. Yeah. Cool, she's a cheerleader. Great. Uh, so, I did question, I'm like, why didn't they immediately, once their body swapped, immediately try and grab the machine again? And then we find out, like, in two minutes, oh, it's because they're going to try and do the testing in the base, which makes sense. But also, like... It's mostly because they wanted to have that comedic scene. It was just for convenience. Yeah, they, they wanted the, the sting. They, they wanted the reveal, ultimately. Yeah. Uh -huh. But... 
realistically, as soon as they swapped bodies, there would have been a moment of them both immediately grabbing for the machine oh, again yeah. to save and oh, swapped yeah. them back. Realistically. And they could have even still had the reveal the way they did if when they're in SGC and Sam's having them test it, if she said, well, you already tried just grabbing it again, that didn't work. Yeah, no, they should have had a throwaway line where they're like saying, so we tried grabbing it again, but as I said on the plan, I think it has to do with it needing to recharge or like something. Yeah, but they didn't. Following the theme of massive assumptions being taken, I would have made it a massive assumption of, well, maybe it didn't work again immediately because it has to recharge. And it was yeah, a bit maybe. before we touched it again. Yeah. So we get to her lab and they're uh, acting their asses off and Sam doesn't get to do much except basically run a science experiment. Yeah, she looks like an idiot in this episode. She uses yeah. no real scientific method. She uses what this writer thinks is an approximation of it, but she just starts willy-nilly testing without actually setting out the tests ahead of time. Yeah, she, do she doesn't do the whole control group, experimental group, blah, blah, blah you know, all that She stuff. literally just starts in real time coming up with ideas and having them tested out. Yeah. So basically, she just starts having them grab the machine in different ways to see if there's a different way to reverse it. Uh, and nothing works. Shock. What a surprise! The yeah. episode's only 30 minutes in. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's, it's only, only 20, 20 minutes, minutes in. At in. That yeah, point. I was thinking it's only halfway, so never mind, 20 minutes in. But then, while they're still trying to, like, talk out the, the problem, Jack in Teal's body suddenly looks uncomfortable, and he says that, like, Junior's starting to move around a lot, and. Tealk in Jack's body is like, oh, that probably means that you've caught a, a bug and it's trying to fight it. And uh, basically you find out if Jack in Tealk's body does not go into a Kelnorim to let the gold start working on it, he will have no immune system, ultimately. So I have a question. I'm thinking, I'm assuming, based on very little... <laughs> That this might be something, I don't actually remember timeline-wise if this was already introduced in Star Trek or if it comes about later, but Vulcans, for example, they're the emotionless ones, right? Yeah. I think it's actually introduced in the original series now that I think about it with Spock, but who the fuck knows at this point, because I don't know. I'm sure someone knows and I'm an idiot, but yeah. <laughs> Somebody at some point, one of the shows acknowledges that Vulcans have to do daily meditation to help, you know, keep their minds centered and to maintain their mental... Um, acuity and everything. Were you also getting the impression that even though it has, even though this is the first episode that actually does mention Kelnorim, like you know, out loud? No, it is it? Yeah, this this is the episode that introduces it. It's in the trivia. Is it? Yeah, first time it's mentioned. First I time it's mentioned by name. First time Kelnorim it's mentioned before. If he's if he's mentioned meditation, he has not mentioned it by that specific name. Okay, I swear he's meditated before on screen. I now. mean, meditation does something like he's done before, so I, uh, this is probably just them just trying to add to the lore by, you know, solidifying it, you know, as a thing. Okay, but I'll, I was... I'll accept that Kelno Reem, this is the first time they've said Kelno Reem, but he's definitely meditated before. My whole point was, uh, I was getting the impression this is like a daily thing he's insinuating with this line, yeah. that like if he doesn't do this, then he doesn't have an immune system. Unfortunately, by doing that, it does kind of annoy the crap out of me, because that's been telling me that everybody up until this point has just been assuming a lot <laughs> about his snake. They've never once talked to him about how that thing functions as his immune system, and also, <laughs> isn't it a little weird that he has to go into this deep state before that thing can work? Like, what kind of system is that? What if you're in a long battle? Historical battles used to go on for, like, days sometimes. Yeah. 
they actually happened in like waves so you'd have like one fighting force going out and then like falling back to like rest like swordsmen resting it's weird like they would get breaks in the middle of a war it was uh-huh. it's a weird concept to me just because obviously it's extremely unfamiliar to me yeah. I'm sure to somebody else it's like yeah duh how else would you do it <laughs> you know for me it's extremely odd as a just as an idea because you think of it as like more like skirmishes from like movies and I'm talking still like Civil War ones where they're over in like five minutes my whole point is this line seems to establish that if they don't do this they kind of will get sick and it's just a little weird to me if that's so because again what happens if you're in a prolonged battle like what happens do you have to do that do you have to have half your force just fall back to go take a a, a break I don't know, because it seemed kind of like there were meant to be super beings that could go, for example, like days without rest because of the strength lent to them by their symbiote, and yet this seems to kind of take away from that at the same time. Okay, I will say two and a half things on this. <laughs> One. Two and um, a half, okay. <laughs> yeah. One, the gold are honestly going to uh, view Jaffa as cannon fodder. So that if a sense. couple of uh, Jaffa wind up dying from not being able to kill Nareem in the middle of a battle, they're not going to care. That is actually a very good point. Uh, would they sacrifice the symbiotes too? I mean, it looks like they can make a lot of them, which is always weird to me because it's like, wait, then how does how do they have kids? Uh, how does that work? Jaffa dying doesn't necessarily mean that the symbiote inside them well, dies yeah. from the same illness. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering how long they can later. last. Yeah, I'm just yeah, wondering how know. long they last. I, I, well, I, I'm not against it, I would just like to know. That curtails nicely into my second point. The gold are used to having advantage with technology and numbers, so they probably don't have to fight a lot of long-term battles. Not anymore. What they do back in the days when the guys guard, like there used to be a five. Uh, I keep saying five races because I keep thinking of humans at four, the end. Four races. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what I guess happened? It would be five because the gold. Yeah. So what happened when once upon a time there were these five races that seemed to four against one not care for each other? I'm just wondering. I, My I just... half point here would be. Uh, it's kind of insinuated that Kelnarim is not. Well, it's not kind of insinuated. It, it is. Kelnarim is not asleep. Kelnarim, I think if you just do it for like an hour, you're fine. Okay, so that's our next so, question is what happens? Is, is it only an hour? Because I don't know if it's ever specified how long it has to be. Or maybe it changes depending on, on severity. Like maybe if you were sick, you need an hour. If you're grievously wounded, you need like eight. Yeah, maybe. But in that case, if it's typically only for like an hour or whatever. You could easily cycle people yeah, through. Yeah, no, that would make sense. None of those points are bad, and I'm down for this because I need this information. Otherwise, I'm yeah. going, wait, what's happening? As long as it logically could work, then I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, so that's my that's my theory on that. Um, ultimately, if we find out that, especially since they don't have the solution for the body swap yet until they find Michello at the very least, Teal'c is like, you're going to have to figure out how to kill Noreen, because otherwise I'm going to get sick. Sicker. Yeah, so Teal'c and Jack go into Teal'c's room, and uh, Jack... Tilk and Jack's body, you know, sets up the candles and everything, and starts, like, talking Jack through Kelnorim. Meanwhile, next scene is at the diner. Ugh. Cause of course all women are gold diggers! Uh-huh. So, uh, Daniel- Michello and Daniel's body walks into the diner, and awkwardly tells the, the hostess at the front, uh, that he is going to pay for him and- Ned, is that what he said his name is? Uh, Fred. Fred, sorry. He's going to pay for him and Fred to eat. And then he pauses and looks at the room and goes, in fact, 
I will pay for everyone's, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, poor God. Daniel, <laughs> man, Daniel, man, I apologize. Just, just literally claim credit card fraud. Just, just yeah, cut literally. Losses. Honestly, you easily could. That's a very suspicious charge. That's a very suspicious charge. Are you kidding me? But it's nineteen ninety eight. Probably afford it's, it because, like, I'm sure he probably spends no paying money. him well, and I don't think he's spending it. So I don't, for an instant, think that the U.S. government is is paying him well. However, I do think that since he's not spending much money, considering how this is actually very out of character for him to, you know, if it were Daniel, to actually leave the mountain, because he basically just lives there. Yeah, he does. They even talk about, um, in that episode where they think he's dead, that his stuff is, like, untouched. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I would, I would assume, then, that besides, aside from, like, jet, literally, t- from rent, which could be argued maybe that falls under an expense that the military might pay for, depending on how uh-huh. good your military contract is. Well, I would say that, like, the building they let him off in front of, is so especially nice. knowing that he <laughs> lost his old apartment, I did feel like the new place he lives is some place the, the, the military picked out for him. Yeah, I, I think, because it, it has a doorman and everything, that's why I was like, this yeah. is a nice place, I was like, he can't. Maybe he doesn't have to afford it. Yeah, I think that the place he lives now is uh, provided yeah. for him. And, and I do like how, despite the fact, though, that he doesn't leave the place, the based on the reaction of the waitress, because I don't know old-timey credit cards that well. I don't even know credit cards now that well. For example, I only know the stereotype, like the American Express black card or whatever yeah. shit it is. I yeah, she know. seems to react she seems like he's very got a lot like, of money. Some, yeah, it seems like this is some kind of like platinum thing. But that cracks me up, because if it is, that means that Daniel has a good credit and for some reason has taken the time to get him a car- himself a car. Uh, he weird. has the credit of a dead man because he's been declared dead at least twice. Well, because you can walk that back legally. I don't know. Because like he would have to be declared dead in absentia by the military. Well, in that one where he, they think he got melted by lava. Well, he also got declared dead in absentia after the movie. God, you're right. What is his credit? Like, how does he have that card? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, um... <laughs> So God damn it, Mel, that makes it so much worse. <laughs> it's it's not a credit card, it's a debit card provided to him by SGC. I Maybe it's not the fact that the credit card he gave her, maybe it's the way when she she's like, okay, well, I need a credit card from you, which... That was smart of her, because if he's saying he's going to pay for the whole, the whole oh, yeah, diner, she's not, she's she's not like, dumb. you pay now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no she's shit. like, I need a credit card for you first, and he's like, credit card, what is that? <laughs> and... and and where would I find that? She's like, in your wallet? And he pulls out a wallet, and he's just like, would any of these be credit cards? So, like, maybe the fact that, like, first of all, this is where I was like, this lady, I, listen, I know she's being paid minimum wage, perhaps less than minimum wage, because that's sometimes what happens with waitresses, is they get yeah. paid less than minimum wage. That legal loophole. Expected to uh, subsist on the tips. I understand that she's being paid minimum wage. By the way, that's a horseshit practice. I'm just putting it on a record right no, there. No, it's that, garbage. That, that, that's it's legal thievery. Garbage. It's legal well, listen, theft. It's just legal yeah, theft no, on behalf of big is. corporate and, companies. And ultimately, uh, minimum wage is also garbage. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, but we already yeah. knew that America wasn't exactly, a, you know, the standard and how to live. Yeah, I understand she's being paid minimum wage. And I understand that means you're not being paid enough to care about other people. But this is still a red flag moment. Do you have to be paid enough? Do you have to be paid enough? Do you have to be paid enough to have a moral responsibility to help somebody who's clearly having something happen to them? Yeah, that's the thing. State, dissociative episode, whatever. Clearly something is happening to him. Yeah, there's something clearly mentally wrong with this person. Even if it's only temporary. At the very least, she should be encouraging him not to buy food for everyone in this diner. 
Also, that maybe could be um, extremely impulsive behavior indicative of a brain tumor. Exactly. That seems like a mental moment. And he looks clean-cut, well-dressed, and has a wallet full of cards, which mm-hmm. indicates that he's a fruitful member of society if, you yes. indi- if those are the only things that indicate to you that you're a member of society. That would be all the, all the flags you need. And yet he has this massive red one where he's clearly acting contrary to all the things yeah. you're seeking. It's based conveniently and totally on the fact that of that gold digger greedy smile yeah. she gives him where it's like oh she doesn't give a fuck and i'm like do you have to be the owner of a penis and also pay it above minimum wage to have a moral responsibility here is that yeah, what here's i'm being told i even outside of like maybe she's i don't know like maybe she doesn't have as much of an awareness of like the potential for like mental health issues is us or whatever at the very least the way he's acting should be suspicious enough for you to be worried about identity fraud there we go i didn't even think about that i went down the sexist route as i always do maybe which if it's identity fraud then eventually the person that identity belongs to is going to refute those charges and you're going to be out all that money would they or is that stuff covered by insurance i don't know i don't know i don't know with a diner that small Oh, I meant, like, does that cover, like, because I, I, oh, I, like, bank insurance? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, banking, like. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't and know. And maybe she's but not still, paid enough to care about what her boss has to deal with as a result of her but decisions. But I will <laughs> say, having worked in retail, you are taught to keep an eye out for, like, risks oh, of identity fraud. Oh, yeah. Plus, like, this thing called ID exists, so, like. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this is just, this is bad. Uh, but basically, she's, like, cool, you know, come over here, sit down, and, <laughs> Basically, nothing. She's she's terrible. Also, Jesus Christ, I just thought of it. He's been saying, he even told his new friend, Fred, his name is Michello, and then after making a creepy line to the, uh, the waitress about wanting to kiss her, he's been saying Michello, and this was a great moment for, like, when his credit card was taken out to notice that the name on the card, speaking Says of Daniel identity theft, is Daniel yes. fucking Jackson. They glossed over that so hard, and I was so mad about other stuff, I didn't even think about it until just yeah, now. You are so... Right. That was... A, that fuck them. <laughs> That's stupid. That's a stupid detail to gloss over. So convenient that they didn't notice. So this waitress is an idiot and is like, cool, sit over here. And then we cut to SGC again. And Jack and Tilk's body has achieved Keldarim. I mean, kudos to Jack. Awesome possum. But dear God, that was... Uh, it's a good thing I wasn't required to go into Keldarim. Yeah, that it wouldn't would not have been successful. It would have been like, well, Tilk, I guess you're dying. Sorry. I guess you have no immune system. <laughs> it would have been like, can you medically knock me out with that work? Right? Like, hey, you saw that life support machine. Can I just go get hooked up to it like dialysis for like, I don't know, potentially ever? Right? Yeah. But yeah, so he achieves it and they're like, oh, cool. That worked. Uh, and then we go into um, Daniel in Michello's body, where he's faring very poorly. Yep. And it's, I would like to enjoy this scene for being, like, a cute bonding exchange between Sam and Daniel. Except that, as we've um, already acknowledged, Tora Alexander Valenza isn't great at writing her. And it's just slightly hollow. <laughs> yeah, I just... It, it, because of the convenience of them needing to not be able to understand what's going on, you know, not be able to figure out these symbols and everything. I know, I know she's not, I know she's not the linguist, but as I already pointed out, A, she's a mathematician, and I feel like once you realize you couldn't reverse the effects, and you've definitely seen it work twice in one direction, the fact that you didn't come to this conclusion is just a little irritating to me, and it seems basically entirely anchored in convenience. But moving aside from that, 
I don't know how language encryption works. I should probably put that out there. So what I'm about to say is probably fucking stupid. But uh-huh. on the off chance that it's not, I have heard, granted it was from Star Trek and not the best one, but <laughs> I have heard the line that math is just another language. It is. Where you can decrypt. Same as coding. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying she should have done a linguist thing. I'm just saying they should have figured that was a code much faster, is what I am saying. It's yeah, irritating as crap. Think... But they didn't because then she would have gone into code breaker mode, and I feel like that would have been less believable when she didn't figure it out. Yeah, I think um, what would have actually made sense with the, with the... So basically, she's trying to talk with Daniel and see, like, can you translate this iPad? Yeah. And he's like, look... I, you know, I, I recognize the symbols, but they're not being used the same way. So what would have been, what would have made sense, but doesn't fit into this episode, would have been combining her knowledge of math and patterns with his knowledge of the languages to come up with a way to decrypt it. I do not disagree with that statement. Even if, but however, even if they had come up with that solution, it wouldn't work now because Daniel does go into a coma in Michello's body. Which I actually, so here's a fun fact. I did not do any research on this episode because I did not care to. I did not feel like validating anything about this episode. Uh, The only thing I looked up was that Apple Newton thing. And some of the the trivia because that's like just, I already do that. I I already have those pages up. (laughs) I'm not going to look extra shit up. So with that in mind, I do not know how comas work. Uh, my vaguest sense of them is the drug-induced kind, where they, you know, they work at, they set in as fast as the drugs do, because <laughs> yeah. that's what their job is to do, is to induce a coma. I do not know how normally induced comas go about, but I kind of was under the impression that you weren't in a coma until you were in a prolonged state of unconsciousness. Um, okay, so I definitely <laughs> I could be not wrong. an expert on this, but... I do feel like I've heard before that the qualifications for a coma have to do with reactions, not how long you're in there. Like, uh, like brain, brain pattern reactions or something. I believe it has something to do with that. And the reason I'm saying this is because, A, I've, I think I've heard that. And also, I remember hearing something. This is all, like, secondhand stuff through, like, media I've consumed. Or I remember there being, like, a distinction where there's this cutoff. If you don't recover, come out of your coma from a very short-term coma, like the kind that Daniel will come out of in this episode, then it's quite possible you might never come out of a coma. Recovering from a long-term coma is a lot less likely than recovering from a short-term coma. Right. So for clarification real quick, when I said prolonged state of consciousness, I meant for like more than a day, then you can were considered coma. Oh, I don't know. I, I Yeah, that's I all I don't know. know. I think it has something to do with like the, the brain patterns, but I... I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it. I just, my first yeah. question, I literally, my only line was, oh, is that how, do comas work like that? how fast you decide I, that? <laughs> I didn't know that I, I, is, is this a learning experience is what my brain was going as yeah. in, is that how fast they work? Could she actually know that fast? Like my whole thing is because she says he's not responding, which I mm-hmm. guess could make sense. For example, like I know when someone collapses, doctors do this thing, you know, people who are medical professionals, I shouldn't say doctors, people who are medical professionals do this thing when you fall unconscious where they rub their knuckles on your breastbone, on your chest bone. Yeah. Because there apparently is few, there are a few things in life apparently that are more painful than that. Huh. Apparently it's one of the most painful things you can feel is when they rub their, because they do it hard and apparently it really hurts. So if you're not like actually unconscious, you'll react in some way. Not like if you're faking, but so much as like, let's say you're just like fainted, you know, that could like bring you out a little bit, like you might twitch or something. And if you don't do it, then they can, then they can classify you as some version of non-responsive. 
uh-huh. or unconscious. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much as far as I know about it in terms of like non-responsive. Like I know that there's just such a thing as like a lack of a pupil response, but I don't necessarily always know enough about that because that sometimes is just a sign of a different like neurological condition versus just like being unconscious. So I don't know enough about it, but it just seemed like it might be quick that she literally looks him in the eyes with a flashlight for like three seconds, doesn't do the rubbing thing, and then says to Sam, he's not responsive, he's going into a coma. He's also hella fucking old, and she did already list a shit ton of other conditions going on with him, and so that could also be something that's part of her assessment, where she's just like, based on these diagnoses, it's not unheard of for a patient to just go unconscious and not responsive, Mm -hmm. and if A and B happen, then C is, they're in a fucking coma. C is for coma, that's good enough for me. C is for coma. (laughs) (laughs) So, I could see it being that. He's in a coma now, and now there's definitely, like, they already had a time timer on, like, saving him, but now there's definitely, like, a threat looming over. Yeah, and the arbitrary we- timeline is age in this episode. Yeah, uh, so we go back to the diner, and, uh, Michello and Fred? Fred? Yes, Fred, sorry, okay. yes, Fred. <laughs> Michello, and- I don't know why I can't remember Fred. <laughs> um, Michello and Fred are eating, and Sundays. Michello doesn't know how to eat ice cream neatly. This scene is uncomfortable for me because that there's a trickle of ice cream coming yeah, out of the corner of his so mouth much. that I just cannot not focus on for the entirety of its existence. I hate it. But yeah, so they're talking and Fred finds out. Fred immediately was like, I think you used to serve, you know? Because he could, he, he could tell. Because Fred is a conscious, socially conscious person who was like, there's something wrong with this man. And he's so he homeless. He, he probably like sees PTSD a lot of homeless vets because that's another problem in America is a significant portion of the homeless population are people who served the country. Absolutely. Which if you're a patriot, he, he you should be outraged. It. And yet mm-hmm. most of the ones I hear about on TV couldn't give a flying fuck. No. Um, but yeah, so he finds out. He, I did have a note here. I'm like, what kind of diners have an icy machine? I'm assuming a gross one. <laughs> It was just I don't know. So I haven't weird. seen I was those like, things why out of movie icy theaters. cups, and you can see the icy machine yeah. in the background of the shot. I thought those things exclusively existed in movie theaters and Seven Elevens. Yeah, that's what I thought. But maybe it's a thing in Canada. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so he's finding out that like, and Michelle's like, yeah, I did serve. Um, and not and in the Gulf, but I I I was a soldier. Yeah, I was a soldier, and he, he, like, talks and everything, and how... Exposits. Like, and how, oh, I, I've kept all of you from being, you know, um, controlled or blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, he's got a real sense of uh Apparently there are some um, comics published, Some I think they're in canon, that explain his backstory, and apparently the system lord he fought was Ares and so forth, and I'm like, you can give this guy as much continuity basis as you want to. He's a, he's an arrogant jerk. Oh, he is. He's 100%. But he does, in this conversation, say, I was captured and tortured. And <laughs> my note here says, my, the text I sent you, nice homeless man that I definitely don't blame for taking the opportunity for a free meal. That makes sense. <laughs> 
what I like is that he doesn't seem to be doing anything with like any expectation. He's mostly just kind of along for the ride at this point. Yeah. So and like I, I said, I him don't blame him for advantage. seeing this opportunity yeah. for a free meal. Fucking yeah. take it, my man. Besides, once again, I think it's kind of like the, the, the bird that you know rests on the tortoise back. Um, it's kind of exactly. like exactly. Yeah, he's getting a free ride, but he's also taking care of the tortoise. I mean, I yeah, because he's like I have nothing against like the mutually beneficial from doing something crazier. I I, I like Fred. <laughs> yeah, I like Fred. Because he's, like, actually asking, for one, he, like, stopped Michello from, like, talking to random strangers on the street. Exactly. And he's, like, he was actually trying him. to find out what's wrong with them, you know? Yeah, he was. He was, in a um, non-interrogative manner, much like a counselor would, he he guides Michello into telling himself, telling um, Fred about himself. Yeah. You know, he opens it up as a conversation, and that's how he gets his... And he's doing it, I don't think, as, again, as a taking advantage method. I think he's kind of just probing into the situation a little bit to see if the guy's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we find out, we go back to SGC, and we find out that, obviously, SGC saw Daniel's credit card being used and knows where to find him now. Which is honestly, I, like, it's an obvious way to go, but I still appreciate that the episode did it, because it makes sense. It makes oh, complete yeah. and logical sense that this oh, is yeah. the angle, because Michella wouldn't know that you can do this sort of thing in this world, so him spending money wouldn't seem weird to him. He didn't even oh, know oh, what yeah. credit card was. No, how, how, would he, it, how, how the hell would he know about American banking systems? immediately <laughs> tracking his credit cards. Yeah, how the fu- I shouldn't say American. How would he even know about banking systems? I mean, in the, in the yeah. sort of, like, us. I, like, I know banks have always existed as long as one person's had money. But he's not going to know how ours hasn't. works. Yeah, exactly. But he's not going to know how ours works. He's, he isn't going to... Well, it's like the joke I made earlier on. based on our AC power system, so why the fuck would he know how our electronic systems work? Yeah. And so well, like, it's, it's, it's like the joke I made at the beginning of this episode where Janet's like, I don't want you driving a car uh, for a little while, and my joke of Michello being like, what's a car? <laughs> but yeah, so Hammond's like, yeah, we, we know where he is, we're gonna go bring him in, and Jack and Teal'c, or Jack in Teal'c's body is like, yeah, we gotta go get him. And Hammond's like, no, you're not no. going out like that. Yeah, i right here. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, we're sending people, we will have him. Love how uh, basically 90% of Hammond refuting Jack is a form of, I respectfully disagree with your assessment of the situation. Yes, yes. So we go back to Michello and Fred, and they've finished eating their food. <laughs> that sounds like the weirdest left. buddy cop movie ever. Yes, <laughs> Michello and Fred. Michello and Fred, um, to make sure I'm keeping the order of events correctly, I've got the the video up on the screen, since again, I didn't take detailed notes this time because my body rebelled from it. Um, I've literally skimmed in the, the video to a, a, a screen cap of the two of them, and it's where they're standing on the sidewalk and Fred's just standing there and Michello's got his hand on Fred's shoulder, so it's definitely the weirdest buddy cop action film ever. Yeah, it's too bad it's ruined by that bullshit line where um, Michelle goes creeper again, sees another hot chick, and uh, goes, how yeah, does this one is court actually a wife? scene where he's like, tell me, Fred, how does one court a woman? And we're not going to talk about it because I hate it. Um, but basically, while they're talking on, on the sidewalk, uh, some cops come up behind them and are obviously there for, for Michello. And Fred, as soon as the cops show up, Fred immediately go puts his hands up behind his head and like even warns um, uh, warns Michello like you don't know basically says something like you don't know cops like I do or whatever, which, which makes is me deeply like, unhappy because it's very accurate to this day. Yeah, 
That like, episode was 20 years ago, and it's still a problem. I know, like, as, for all of the, the subtle problems that Tor, Tor Alexander Valenza obviously has with women, he seems to be aware of minority issues between spirits and this. Uh, but yeah, so, Emicello tries to be like, I, I will not be taken, you know, back, blah, 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 and they're like, no, you're coming back. <laughs> so then we get Michello back at SGC, and we're never gonna see Fred again. Sorry, Fred. Yeah, I like how he just is, his last scene's kind of sweet on his part, where he says to the cops, like, don't, don't hurt him and everything. Oh, I know, yeah. Trying to help Michello the whole time. Which yeah, of course is why he's just, guy. you know, he ultimately is treated as worthless because he doesn't even, like, you know, in Bane, the girl, the little girl got a, you know, conclusion to her storyline. Yeah. There, sh- there should have been a closure scene here. Right. But they didn't care enough to do that. No. But yeah, so they go back to SGC and uh, Daniel manages to wake up from a short-term coma uh, with good timing since Michello's back now. <laughs> the convenience of the timing is terrific. He com- comes yeah. out of a coma in a dying body just yeah. in time. So uh, they're like telling Michelle, like, look, you better swap back with them. And he's like, look, even if I wanted to, I can't. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. At least he openly admits to something he's going to heavily emphasize later, which is he doesn't want to. Yeah, he, he, he specifically is like, even if I wanted to, I can't. The machine's not built that way. It, it's a one-way thing. And I like how he points out, I, was, I built it that way on purpose for this exact situation. Exactly, because he's a sociopath. Well, yeah, because he had, I mean, literally, to be fair, he built that machine for one purpose. Yeah, exactly. It would make sense that he would program it to not be undoable, you know, upon immediate noticing. No, it makes use. sense. It just is very telling about what kind of person he is. There's a reason why he was played by Michael Shanks after Yes! <laughs> Dude, between that and the character he plays in Andromeda. God, you know, I do not like Andromeda. I don't even, I just can't. I just can't. Kevin Sorbo's an asshole. Yeah, he is. He is. Especially now. And when you look back on that show now, you can see it in literally every single thing he does. Uh-huh. He's the most arrogant asshole off and on screen. And it just ruins Andromeda, which is too bad because Lexa, I'm, I'm going to say her Lexa name. Doig. Is it Doig? I don't know. I, I, I've always said Doig, but I don't know. It's I've always like, said Doig. I've never heard it said, so I just Yeah, I've never heard it said, so I, I've been saying Doig. I don't know. I can only go off the letters I see. Oof. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm not good at IPA pronunciation guides. I've tried. I'm not good at them. <laughs> anyway, with that in mind. Even though she's terrific in it, it's just a bad fucking show. <laughs> I've only watched the episodes Michael Shanks has been in. She's good. She does her best in an otherwise terrible environment. And he was great in the show for his small appearances because he was terrifying. Yeah. Like, well, he, his second one. His first one, he didn't have like a... No, his second one, when I connected the dots years later because I had seen them at drastically different ages... I don't know why actually Andromeda came out like in 2005 so I don't know why it's to me it seems like an older memory I don't that's weird anyway I don't know. um I connected dots later uh like when I was like 15 or 16 I was like oh oh no oh no oh no and that because it ruined some fantasies <laughs> but yeah he's a good actor and he knows how to play uh I'm gonna go with slightly disturbed mind as my general summary of his acting style yeah so we find out yeah that uh and, and at this point when he said that I sent you a text saying hold up hold up is Stargate seriously going to have the body swap solution be the Futurama body swap solution? Well, I mean, I feel like Futurama stole it from this, but yeah. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. I was like, did Futurama take it from this? <laughs> Futurama didn't start until 1999. I know. It's just strange. I was like, huh, okay. 
Because Futurama tends to think about their solutions to science problems a lot more than Stargate does. Well, I mean, it's they between the writers, I think the joke was that they have like 12 PhDs or something between them. They yeah. are the most overqualified cartoon artists you've ever seen, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I already could t- tell. It just, it took Sam a little while to come to this conclusion well. Although, in Sam's defense, I've heard about the Futurama body swap solution already. Sam hasn't come to this conclusion yet, but there's there's a great part. So they have Michello in, in one of their holding cells, and basically, they're basically telling him, like, hey, hope you like that body. You're never leaving this room. And he's like, oh, I would like to negotiate for my freedom, blah, 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 blah. I have many things I can give you to help you fight the gold. And I'd like I just to say, this is actually very in character, I think, for Michello, because he only wants a new life so he can actually enjoy said life. Absolutely. So he is no, immediately very ready to work the this like, to the advantage if he can. He's a terrible character, but he's very in character this whole time. But I do love, and I, I actually really like the scene because it's Sam and Hammond that are confronting him. And what I like about this scene is that, like, from the beginning, you could tell, like, I sent you a, a joke image. I was, like, Sam over here talking to Michelle, like, and it's the, the image, the meme image of had it not been for the laws of this land, I would have slaughtered you. <laughs> like, he's trying to negotiate his freedom, like, look at all of the things I can give you. And Sam's face is just, like... No fucking way, bitch. If Hammond wasn't standing here right now, I would fucking kill you for this. If you weren't wearing my friend's body, I'd break your nose. Yes, exactly. Like, she's just like, you can see in her face, there's no way she's giving Michello anything he asks for. If it were me, I'd be focusing on body switching so that I could start committing my first and only offense of elder abuse. Yes. scene is it also shows that like we've seen even from Tor Alexander Valenza we've seen Hammond make what is maybe not the good choice when it comes to trying to advance their cause before but I like how at this point in the show even Hammond's like nah these are my kids <laughs> so even Hammond puts his foot down about no you're not getting anything from us unless you can give us a solution to this so I'm here for it not being used because it's cliche as fuck I'm not saying it's not true but it's also cliche as fuck but no one uses the phrase the US does not negotiate with terrorists in this yeah, scene they didn't <laughs> they ha- and instead focused on the better part which is Fuck nah, a human life doesn't get to be decided by you, bitch. Exactly. It's great. I love it. I appreciate that the even Hammond... Sorry, the value it, of a human life. Yeah. But I, I appreciate that even Hammond's like, no. <laughs> they, they just shut him down about it. I think it's Sam who basically suggests that Michello talk to Daniel himself. Basically be like, you need to, you know, put a person behind the life that you're so casually telling us to discard for this, you know? And they bring Michello in to talk to Daniel. And I I was like, well, everyone else on the crew must have been thrilled with this day of shooting because nobody had to be there except Daniel. (laughs) Except Michael. (laughs) Because it's just Michael acting at Michael. You know, I have to say, I I understand why shows... Yeah, still, I don't know. It's uh, TV shows love to do that thing where they prove that you can have a, a shot with the actor playing both parts in the same yeah. shot. They love to do it. To the best of their ability, it's never going to not look unnatural. I'm sorry. So yeah. I hate their emphasis on that. I hate their insistence on it. 
I like that they don't really do that as much in this one, honestly. They kind of no, eased they, off they with that. No, they tend to frame each of their faces yeah. individually. Which I just, I just, I care for that, but honestly, I don't care if you can. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I would say that's because uh, it's David Wary Smith directing this episode, and he's better than that. Too bad I don't like the episode, because otherwise I'd be happy with it based on his directing, I think. Because I yeah. think, aside from directions that follow the lines of, okay, now Amanda, I want you to sit there and just make those big blue eyes all watery for me. Yeah. <laughs> I will say there's a, there's an alternative, uh... <laughs> To the, the shows that try and prove that they can do this with their technology. I actually have two examples of it that I think are more fun to do. In Buffy, there's the episode in one of the later seasons where Ale- where Xander gets split into two people. Oh yeah, that's played by, isn't that Nicholas played by his Brennan twin? has a twin. Yeah, 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 yeah. I read that years ago. Yeah, and it's not even that. There's, outside of that episode, there's another episode, and I don't remember the name of it. But there's another episode outside of that where his twin played him because he was too sick. That's cool. Yeah. But there's also um, a, a Super Sentai season. They did a plot where there was a monster that could, like, copy Super Sentai is a still person. Power Rangers, right? Super Sentai is the Japanese origin of Power Rangers. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I'm thinking Power about Power Rangers is they take a show that exists in Japan and they steal all of the fighting scenes and then plant them into their own show. As with most American translations of shit. Yeah. God damn it. Um, but there's a Super Sentai season where there's a monster that can, like, copy uh, people. And one of the one of the Power Rangers characters, we'll say, um, that's in that show had a twin. So they had his twin be on that nice. episode. That's cool. I think that's where it's more fun. If you have an actor who's already got a twin... That's where you write that episode to happen just to ta- have, have, have fun with it. Um, Linda Hamilton has a twin that played her, uh, played the Terminator version of her in Terminator 2. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, for the scene that's where she's stalking up behind her. That's, that's not, tr- that's not clever camera trickery. That's Linda Hamilton's twin. That, see that? I love when they do that. I love when they take advantage of having someone else that they can bring in. That is clever. And again, it just makes it look more natural. And it's but fun. in the absence it's fun of that, out about that stuff. Yeah, but in the absence of that, um, a deft hand, and in this case, a light hand, is better. So I like how they didn't do too much of yeah. that in this episode. So good on you, David Wary Smith. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, so... I'm not wary of your directing style. <laughs> So it's basically Michael acting at Michael, and um, again, this is fucking credit A to his acting, just the fact that he he's obviously not acting in response to anybody, because right? he's having he's to do each of these scenes separately, so he's doing a great job of it looking natural anyway. Yeah, um, but also, right, actually, I didn't really think about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also when it's just the two of them acting against each other, the two of them, the <laughs> two of them speaking to each other, like... It's even more obvious that, like, he's making these two distinctly char- two distinctly different characters. This, like, five-minute scene is just a tour de force of his ability, honestly. Oh, hell yeah. Now, up until this moment, my favorite uh, sci-fi actor who has played a bunch of fucking roles in the same series is, I cannot stress enough, my deep abiding love for Jeffrey Combs. He plays uh, Wayun Brunt. Uh, Shran. He plays a bunch of characters in Star Trek. 
and he is spectacular. I actually just found out that they basically based the Vorta race on his ideas and his acting. Dang. Because the character of Wei Yun introduced, well, not introduced them, they were actually introduced by a different character, but the writers kind of hoped people would forget about her because <laughs> it also introduced other concepts that they had decided were missteps. Yeah. So Jeffrey Combs was the one who like did all the foundational work Defined about it. the race. Yeah, they're all based on like his notes, all the later performances and stuff. Um, but he's amazing because he plays a bunch of different characters. And in DS Nine alone, he like he'll often appear in like subsequent episodes of ones he was just in, but it's a bunch <laughs> of different characters. So like one episode he'll be Wei Yun, the next episode he'll be playing the Ferengi Brunt, and then the next episode after that he's playing some other guy. He's played eight different characters across all the Star Treks. He's oh insane. Oh my gosh. I love you him. You get away with that in a show where you've got heavy makeup for alien races. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was, uh, I, I do not like, I hate how much I always feel guilty for talking about Star Trek Enterprise, because it's just, it is the worst of the shows. I mean, not counting original series, because original series is the worst, but it's also the first, so that's kind of blasphemy at the same yeah. time. But he plays this terrible, in a, in a terrible Western-themed episode that involves humans somehow being kidnapped by aliens and, and creating Western towns old west towns in a different pl on a different planet in a different part of space it's it's bad it's just bad um he plays a deputy in it and he's just terrific <laughs> my whole point is he's terrific and when i so aside from him i have not seen another actor do as convincing a job in multiple roles like john fleck gets a little close he's played a few roles across all of star trek but he wasn't given as many so or as much screen time with uh -huh. each one more like one-time appearances you know with like exception to like him i guess I guess Michael Shanks is really the only one I've seen who's done as many characters in, like, especially just one series. Yeah. And done such a good job. Hell, with the, with the uh, multiple personalities one later, how many oh, characters yeah, I was literally thinking about that. In fact, one of my notes to you is, was Michello just practice for Daniel having the prince personality in a few seasons? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, right? So, yeah, I just, uh... Yeah, I, feel I can like appreciate in, a versatile actor. Season, <laughs> I feel like in season one, they figured out that Michael Shanks could do this this well, and just decided to take advantage of it. So basically they're talking to each other, and Michello's just so into himself. He's like, I deserve this, blah, blah, blah. I've done so much to fight the goal, blah, blah, and and I've suffered so much at their hands, and, and my wife, uh, you know, betrayed me and was taken as a host. Which, first of all, it's like, if she was taken as a host, she didn't betray you, sir. <laughs> But when he says that, Daniel's like, yeah, my wife also got taken as a host. You're not fucking special, dude. <laughs> I, I do love how this scene, right before Daniel says it, does a great job of setting up the plot line, you know, moral of this plot line, which is, as I, I, it's actually one of my favorite morals, which is either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yes. So basically, in their conversation, Daniel basically points out to him, like, look, you're acting like a gold right now. And this is the only time, this is what it takes. It took us two and a half fucking hours to get here, but this is why I made my joke, because this is this this formula of events and writing is what it takes to get Michael Shanks to pronounce the word gold correctly. Yes, it's so funny. Oh my just, god. Because that just proves that he's just doing it because he's decided he doesn't care enough. He's, this, he's doing it, I think, as part of his furthering, further just uh, making those two characters distinct. You know, if they yeah. both keep saying gold, gold gold eventually you're gonna realize that they're both coming from the same throat like it makes it yeah. much more distinct and clear in that distinction when they pronounce and say the words all different but 
motherfucker, you proved you can, and yet yes. you're going to consistently do it wrong for the next eight fucking years and yes. more because you make appearances in other shows, so bite me. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it's so funny because, like, we just spent, like, five minutes talking about how, no, even more than that, talking about how good of an actor he is, and then, like, we get on him about pronouncing gold or uh, his glasses, but that's, we do it because we're so fond of the man. <laughs> we're not, like, actually angry. We're just kind of like, Michael, Michael. <laughs> but yeah, so he basically kind of wakes Michelle up to be like, yo, you're acting like the people you fought against so long. You're acting exactly like them. You're acting like this is a right ode to you and that you can just take my body and it's yours now. Yeah, and I, I really do like it because, once again, hopping back on the great acting bandwagon for Michael Shanks, he does such a great job with such quiet delivery, establishing just how much that statement outrages Michello. Mm -hmm. Because he is so he is so deeply insulted by the idea of being yep. like the things that he hates. That he's, he's like the version of how dare you, sir. Yeah. It's enough to get through to him. I do definitely think it probably helped that it was coming from a man who has also suffered some of the same injustices he has. Like, the fact that Daniel pointed out, like, yeah, my wife also got taken as a host, and she's still out there, and there's a chance I could save her. I'm not disagreeing with what you say. What I'm annoyed with is, is actually the validity of your statement, because it's that concept that a lot of people seem to have where... <laughs> Falling back onto, you know, uh, my problem with sexism as a, you know, in general. I think um, I already know what you're going to say. And I is when people you. say, as somebody, as a man with sisters or yes, a mother yeah. or a daughter, I find this deeply insulting. And I'm sitting here going, why do you have to have a connection to a woman to find this insulting? It's like, why do you have to have a connection in the form of a lost wife before you're able to make a connection? I knew you were going to say this. And I, I actually do agree with you in everything. And I do think ultimately what it comes down to, and I don't think it's on purpose. I don't think these people are doing it on purpose. Again, it's a subconscious sexist thing mm -hmm. because a lot of sexism is unfortunately subconscious to the point to where people like Catherine Powers, women, suffer from it as well. Um, is It's a way of, of claiming ownership of those women. Because Gross. by saying, I have a sister so I'm bothered by this, it's not that... It's not that you're bothered that their rights are being infringed upon for them. You're bothered because, in a way, they belong to you because they are your sister. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm. I. I mean, I, I could. Yeah, that, that would make sense. It's if it if it's if I'm, I'm. I say if with like lightly as possible here. Yeah. <laughs> if that's true, it would not surprise me. Again, I'm saying it's not a conscious thing. It's a yeah, subconscious no, it's, thing. It's just gross. It's just gross. I just. Yeah. I no, it, it is. It is. And like, right. why does she have to be someone's daughter before you'll respect her? Exactly. No, you're not wrong. Uh, but basically, so Daniel manages to get through to Michello. And, and Michello's like, okay, fine. We can't do a straight reversal. That won't work. And this is where Sam finally gets the idea. Okay, well, what if we just keep passing it along? <laughs> like, we're not going to do a straight reversal. We'll just... So what she does is she gets... Um... It takes her the entire episode to come up with this. Yeah. So she gets Michello and Jack to switch first, is it? <laughs> I can't remember. You have it up. Bring it up. Hang on. Sorry. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm playing it. I'm. I'm playing it muted. So we're gonna find yeah, out the exact order she says. I'm sitting going. 
So she 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 says we're gonna play musical chairs with your bodies, which is a good line. I want you to know when I say I'm uncomfortable with it, I mean as in it was delivered very well because that just makes me go ooh. Yeah, no. So Michello in Daniel's body and Teal'c, with a uh, Jack in Teal'c's body swap first, which is actually great because once again Michael Shanks does a pitch perfect Jack. Oh. It was terrifying. It was it was utterly terrifying. Yes, I could. I I literally. Jesus. It was really creepy hearing Jack say Jack. Yes. (laughs) And then and then uh, Daniel say Daddy Boy and the little crooking finger and then just like the controlling hand on the shoulder. I it was so creepily happily controlling hand on the shoulder to Richard E. Anderson is so weird. I want you to know that when I say Michael Shanks made me shudder in this episode, I I mean it as a compliment because I'm sitting there going like, oh my god, it's like he actually stalked the man or something. It it looks like he's been watching him for years and now he knows. Like I understand that's literally because he has been working alongside him for two years and knows what he's doing, but it comes across almost kind of creepy because I'm like. It's that it's thing so where it's like it's, we, he does too good of a job. He does too yeah. good of a job. It's creepy. <laughs> and the thing is, like we said from episode one, that he's really good at looking at someone else's acting and being able to adopt that into himself. Because we saw yeah. from episode one from the pilot that he did a great job of taking spaderisms and putting them into his act. So, like, he's been doing that from the beginning. I bet he's one of those people who, not as a jerk, when you put him somewhere with an ac- where he does a different accent, within, like, an hour, he's starting to pick up on the accent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys, I bet, based on what you're saying. Because it's just, like, you're right. Because he just, he just observes and absorbs. Yeah, so, like, we've seen it from the beginning. He's very good at this. But just, like, like as I was saying, Christopher Judge definitely had so much fun playing Jack in this episode. And he was doing a good job. But just, like... When Michael Shanks is doing it, it's like, what, what, what am I watching? What's going on? Yep. Oh shit! That just totally reminds me. Um, I don't know why, but it just reminded me. Uh, we lo- we um accidentally glossed over a scene where Jack uh comes in on Teal trying to shave Jack's head. Oh yeah, that part was good. <laughs> and my only reason why I bring it up is I actually have a question about how their healing process works. This has always been a question of mine in any situation where uh rapid regeneration has to occur. Mm-hmm. Waste is a byproduct of that. So, for example, hair is a version, is a, not a version, one of the ways your body expels waste, as gross as it is, is in the form of hair. I'm not saying it has to happen. I'm just curious as to why it doesn't happen. Why isn't Teal having to shave his head every six hours? Maybe not every six hours, but how come every time he ever heals ever, there isn't a scene where he has to shave all of his new hair off? What, because- like the Animorphs? <laughs> Oh, don't even. <laughs> yes. That's what the Animorphs do is when they revert when they, when they revert back, they go back to whatever they had before. So like one of them, like after doing a morph, got their old hair ba- haircut back. There we go. Yeah, but yeah, it's that kind of thing where it's I just want. I, I, it's why doesn't regeneration result in rapid hair growth? I just I, don't know, I man. have a question. Because, yeah, no, he has to shave his head. Because so, I introduced the concept to you that Teal'c, by the way, doesn't, in fact, choose to shave his head every day. It's implied that it's not a choice, but they care not to go into why for some reason. And then that's it. But I just, I have, that that, that one stupid scene sparks so many questions for yeah. me. Yeah. And they're never going to answer them. Nope, not, not even a little bit. But, no, um, okay, so his, Michael Shanks' facial tics. When he's saying peachy, 
Oh god, again, terrifying. It's like Richard Dean Anderson is in his body. It is. It, it genuinely is. It feels like he's being operated by remote. It's terrifying in the most delightful way. Yeah, no, he doesn't right And now. then afterwards, and then afterwards, when Sam's like, okay, you're done for now, he lifts his hands up and walks away from the machine. <laughs> it's such a bitchy Jack move. I am yes! it, it was so well done. I just have to imagine that Michael Shanks and Richard Dean Anderson were actually friends offset. Because it just seems like they really have good their chemistry. Their chemistry is too good. Yeah, their chemistry is too good. Like, if they're not friends, then that would mean that they're literally the world's best actors. Right? <laughs> Which they are very good actors. And while they're still. very good, I just don't know if it's possible to call them the very best. So it has to be because they spend a lot of time together. Yeah. So then she has Daniel in Michello's body and Teal'c in Jack's body swap. And that's where, and then Richard Dean Anderson does a really good Daniel. And, then, and it's really, really weird to look at. And uh, to his best credit, he's only given like 10 seconds, but Christopher Judge does a pretty good Michello, I think. Yeah. He does the yeah, regret does. aspect pretty well, I think. Yeah, he does a pretty good Michello. Uh, and so then they do the final swap of Michello with Teal'c. Yes. And then Michello passes. Just die, yeah, he just dies, I guess. <laughs> I, just, I don't know, man. That's what happens. They just, like, literally leave it, I think, at that. I, it wasn't like I was expecting them to, like, execute him, but there was just, like, literally no... I'm not talking, like, like he needed, like, an emotional resolution. There's just no, like, actual on-screen with dialogue firm resolution. There's no, he's dead, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, this episode does end kind of abruptly, where it's like, well, everyone's back in their, re their regular bodies. The episode's over. Bye. What I like is they also just kind of gloss on. Okay, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, I, get, I, I did just say that it's not like they execute him, but at the same time, they do just heavily insinuate that they just yank him off a of life support i guess like well, now he's gonna die like they were keeping him alive only insofar as they were keeping daniel alive they had no real intention of keeping michello alive not that he would want to be kept alive i'm not saying but they yeah. don't even entertain that because up until this point he's not fully dead he's like you know he's not like dead dead yet you can still miracle pill him potentially but they don't even do that they don't even have a throwaway line where like yeah you know pull the plug let him go or there's no way he's waking up now. They're shocked from all those transferals. They literally don't touch on any of it. It's just, well, I guess he died. I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it is what it is. I don't think, I don't think they did a, even some, like, theoretical pulling of the plug. I think it was literally just, I think it's more of that really, really convenient timing where even their life support was only barely keeping and Daniel well, like, and I, alive. I agree and, with like, you. It's still just interesting that they don't even say anything. Yeah, no, no. Like like I said, the ending is very abrupt. It's just like, okay, we solved it. Time to go home. Bye. And that's the end. I think I cut it from last week's episode. I can't, I, I, I can never remember. But I did mention how much I fucking hate the abrupt ending of Pacific Rim 2. It's just over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, wait, that, oh, okay. Did we achieve anything here? So let's go ahead and wrap this up because uh, we still wound up going three hours. Uh. So, death tally. Uh, Michello, the asshole. Yeah. Um, well, obviously he's not on the team. I mean, Daniel does go into defib at one point. The only thing that died in this episode was my respect for Tor Alexander Valenza. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, because he did pretty well in spirits. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't He was bad. I don't like him now. I'm not yeah, saying it's like no, shame on him, you. I just don't really care for him. He does not I have a healthy opinion I don't think he's a regular women. writer, so I don't think he's someone we're going to have to see a lot of. I thought, he, I thought he wrote like eight episodes or something. 
Um, I'm not seeing... Oh, wait, no, I'm looking at... Sorry, I was looking at directors. Do, 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 do. Uh, he's back for Legacy. I don't remember what Legacy he's is. He's back for Past and Present. I don't remember Ergo. Oh, he does Ergo? Ergo? Come on! What? Okay, no, we're done with this conversation before I get sad. <laughs> I know, okay. <laughs> Alright, so... <laughs> Okay. I miss Dom DeLuise. I know. Listen, I think there's just certain episodes that... Because, like I said, we liked him in Spirits. He didn't do a good job in Holiday. He did some things good in Holiday, but we just... We suddenly discovered his weak point. Dude, it's... Exp- this episode is casting shade on how I felt about his, like... Because you remember I bitched about Sam, you know, just, like, yeah. randomly, you know, wrapping her, um hilt of her knife on shit and going, yup, it's true to him. And I'm like, that's a dumb thing to do. I, this is casting some doubt now on that. I'm like, oh, I guess now it's almost a pattern. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was thinking about that, how we kind of thought that Sam's behavior and spirits was a little stupid in a lot of scenes. Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, great. Now now it's it's nearing consistency. Yeah. So I guess we'll see in this next episode. And him and Catherine Powers can't be depended on to write Sam. <laughs> Catherine Powers also needs a female editor. Yeah, right? Okay, so, um, despite the fact that Daniel does go into defib once, I I don't think that counts as him dying. Okay, I almost don't want to say this because this is still a contested topic. Coming from a, coming from a family with a strong emphasis on science and a medical background to back it up, I was also raised under the, and I still currently believe that brain death, for example, is death. Like, that's just the end of life. So if uh-huh. there, for me, brain activity equates life. And again, even that brain activity is, can sometimes be a gray area, because I think sometimes, like, deep, um, veg- persistent vegetative state, you know, I think there sometimes can be, like, nominal, quote-unquote, brain activity, but there's still a husk. Um, yeah. So some people will, like, for example, pull the plug in those situations because of it because there's no way they're coming back. So I I do not believe, because of the the rapidness of resuscitation and so forth, that Daniel had actually entered into the state of lack of brain activity that would consistently be considered death uh-huh. <laughs> across those various forms that I was mentioning earlier. So I do not think he died, in other words. <laughs> I think he had a heart attack, yeah. but that's not death. That's trying to die. He gave yeah, it no, a I shot. I think that's fair. So... Are you a Jack or a Daniel this episode? I am a Jack. Because of, and I don't care what body he was wearing, because of all the little bitchy moves. Uh, I, I love seeing consistent evidence that I, I'd like to think I have my own personality. But as this episode proved, apparently personalities are just transferable. So I might have modeled a couple of my personality elements on this guy. You know, fucking sue me, he was a bit of a role model for me, I guess. I think I'm also going to go with being a Jack this time. Uh, <laughs> All right, fellow I Jack. think while I do appreciate that Daniel calls out that Michelle is acting like an old, I do appreciate that. I do feel like, and I know some of this is probably just because he's in an old body that's dying, but I feel like he's a little too patient with Michelle. Oh, no shit. Dude, oh my god, I would have been, I, see, here's the thing, I would have died because I would not have been able to effectively, exactly, I would not have effectively gotten my point across because I just would have been so fucking mad. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to calmly and rationally expose him for who he was. I would have done so loudly. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you 100%. All right, so here's what's always an interesting part for us when we don't like the, uh, the driving trope of an episode. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. 
Um, okay, here's the thing. I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to land on meh. I was, honestly, I was leaning towards that as well. I don't want to give it a thumb. Okay, here's the thing. I, I'm not trying, I am not trying to apologize for its extremely deeply sexist no. elements. No, 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 no. However, as shitty as they are, they are only a piece of the episode. So yeah. I am not giving them any fucking pass. They are what sinks this episode for me. Because <laughs> yeah. if it hadn't been for them, I would have given it a thumbs up despite my Despite not premise. liking the trope, yeah. And I it tried yeah, its best with its construction, but one piece of that construction was sexist fucking dialogue. The construction of this episode was quite strong. We pointed out a couple of really great parallels, like the fact that from uh, you figuring out that like his life support thing is a great parallel to the gold sarcophagus, and and like there's a lot of really strong construction elements oh, yeah. to this. Everyone has the opportunity to do to act their asses off in this except episode. For, except for Amanda Tapping. I don't think she was given a lot of opportunity. No, no, she wasn't. But that comes down to... Not that every to, episode and has this to be is why, still. And this is definitely why... Because there's been... We've obviously had uh, painfully sexist episodes that the sexism has been so bad that it's turned it into a bad episode Right, like us. a caricature of itself almost. Yeah. I think a lot... Uh, granted, I'm making an assumption here, but from the way it's portrayed in the episode, I feel like a lot if not all, of the sexism in this episode is subconscious. No, yeah, I, I agree. I was I was leaning towards a meh. I definitely wanted to hear your take on it first, especially yeah. since in these, like, you and I both didn't like these bits, but as a general rule of thumb, when something like this happens in a show or a movie, you tend to get a little bit more incensed about it than I do. It's because I'm a social worker in disguise. <laughs> yeah, and it's not because I'm not also having a problem with it. You just tend to get a little bit more incensed about it than I do. It's just, it's the way our personalities. We're the same person, but we, are, we do still have some differences in our personality. And that's one of them, is that you'll just get a little bit more riled about that sort oh, of thing. Oh, you're not wrong at all. Riled is exactly what I would yeah. say. <laughs> Which is why I was like, I want to hear Lissa's take first. Because if she does immediately go for bad, I'm going to try and talk her to a meh. But since you already came in at a meh, I just agree with you. Yeah. Like I said, there's there's some good strong points in this episode, but between A, the fact, and also just, okay, so we don't like the body swap trope, obviously. Some tropes are just used too much. Like, body swap is too much of a... I don't know why body swap is such a I, popular I, I can't trope. believe I haven't used the word yet here, but it's a requisite trope. Yes, it is. In sci-fi, and I hate it. I hate that it's nest. I hate that of... There's so many cliches that are requisite. They're all dumb <laughs> by nature of being requisite. You know, it's like, oh, God, it's this one. Um, you know, like, where you don't even have to know the show to know it's that theme, you know? Because like, it's yeah. always obvious. But, yeah, it's, it's a dumb one, especially since I think it's firmly rooted in fantasy, not sci-fi. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it works better in fantasy. I will say, on that matter, Freaky, the way they do the body swap, is completely a supernatural element. There you go. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you might as well embrace it. Yeah. Like, one so, movie like, I do like I is thinking. Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> it's voodoo. He's a, he's the result, it's a, it's a living fucking doll as, that comes about as a result of Lon Suter with some voodoo. So, you know, yeah. you're, you're going into it with an element of, like, okay. Yeah, it, it has to do with some, there's some, uh, Incan or Aztec or Mayan, I don't know, some old ceremonial knife that gets used and that winds up. So that's actually a body swap that I will seek out because A, I already did, I already trust them after Happy Death Day. And then B, 
people who do a podcast where um, I've listened to them for years, I trust their word on it. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think we both agree this is a meh. Yeah, it's, it is not Stargate's finest work, and it's because of elements that, honestly, free-thinking adults should have been able to notice and do something about. I, I yeah, you just think. Be, just because tradition exists doesn't mean you don't have a brain. Uh, we're done. Again, it was three hours, but I'm sure at least an hour of this is... Um... Utter horseshit they can take it out, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, next week, we'll be watching episode 18, Serpent Song. Yay. Listen, the one after that is the one with the plant-based people. Yay! Finally! Finally! I know, I, I can't wait for that one. I had, so I, not because like, I actually remembered or any of that shit, but when I was online scrolling through the episodes trying to find one to watch last week or whatever, I saw the plant people, I saw one of his faces in the fucking thumbnail, and I went, oh shit, that's this season, yay! Yes, I know, so, I didn't realize it was so early on. Yeah. I fucking love that I mean, episode. I could have sworn so. that was season three. I could have sworn that was season three. I mean, yeah. I know it's late season two, so I wasn't that far off, but I could have fucking sworn that was later. Listen, I won't complain because we have to deal with Catherine Powers before we get to it, so that is it for this week. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at ItsMelNotLiss or our podcast Twitter at PointOfOriginPC. You can also email us at PointOfOriginCast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest worm. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. <laughs>